All right, let's have a show. Oh, it finally just started doing it on its own, so I didn't have to... What, your you computer? Want, yeah, you want to do a show? Or? I'll do a show. Did oh, you right. say computer, do show, and then it turned on? No, it's... I'm done with technology. <laughs> what kind of weirdo comment is that? Maybe it's I'm, not a weirdo comment. It's you're, just, oh, you're done with technology? You're going to throw not, your phone away? No, meaning that I'm not... I used to just be like, got to keep up, man. Got to do got what's going on now. Oh, iPhone no. 7, iWatch 50, 58. Got to have it. Got to do it. Got to get my pads. And no. gotta, I'm like, I'm done. It's too much stuff now. Because I'm just a technology hoarder now. Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. Okay. Thank you for listening. You know, I don't remember the last time I was a part of Hollywood, actually. Not that I listened to this song. What, what I like Other is that she just song. said, Bally Halley. What, what are the lyrics to this? Bally Wally Hollywood? Sure. Have you been? You, no, you have. You've been doing some. You've been in some commercials. You've done, I've done. I have done. Please turn the song off. Okay. I've done nothing uh, Hollywood related in so long. I mean, we're getting um, ready to have the movie get going. Yeah, I was but say, that's completely untrue. Well, you know what I'm saying, but like in general, um, it hasn't uh, on a daily basis. Like I'm not really participating that much. We did hang out at the last, which I'm confused, but I think the last uh, Garrett Morris Comedy Club show. Yeah, uh, but not quick, even close quick, to Hollywood. Quick, we were very quick, adjacent. Quick question with that. <laughs> I thought they already had that. Like, mm-hmm. do, do you remember when I hit you up and I was like, are you going to the hi-hat tonight? Isn't that the last show? And you're like, yeah, but I don't think we're on the show. And I was like, okay. And I was really tired, so we didn't, neither of us went. But then, like, all of a sudden it rolled around and this is the last show. And I was like, oh, okay, they're doing a the last show. So then I contacted Did Kevin I say and, that? Maybe I wasn't paying attention. I mean, technically, I knew that this one was the last show. Oh, okay. okay. But then we, when we came in, I said, last show and he's like well you know we'll we're gonna take a break so they're taking a nap yeah is ending it but i mean look if two broke girls keeps going and garrett has that's he's turning 80 right we talked about yeah, this i believe garrett morris is turning 80 years old he yeah. is an original cast member of saturday night live uh which started the year i was born 1975 oh. Oh. um it started in october i was born before that but um <laughs> If we want to be very, very specific at how, if, how, if anyone's how, taking, how it's tied. I'm sure people the are taking The timelines are tied in. Well, if you're following along. Well, your mom is right now, and she's going so far. John's been correct. Yes. Yeah. But more confusing to the listeners, probably, how come you haven't mentioned your career in radio yet? We've been on, been on the show here for a couple minutes. Because I was lying, John. I've never been in radio. Oh, my God. Wouldn't that be the best if you were like... I, I don't look, even have kids. I look over, you're like wrapped in cables and you have no idea what buttons you're pressing. We haven't even been doing a podcast. <laughs> We've never had a show. Not, I like, have, you, have you been re-listening to the shows? I haven't been. I've been kind of busy. Okay, don't worry about it. You don't need to re-listen. It I'm turns like, out okay. that you've got a condition and your mother's been playing along this whole time. John, I really love your show that you're like, Oh, doing. yeah, it's a good podcast, son. Oh, it's very good. Yes, look at you with the podcast. I'm like, uh, turns out there I, never was anything. I think I'm doing a podcast. Uh, all of a sudden you realize you're not even in Los Angeles and it's the Truman Show all over again. Wow, and people are just watching me fail. Yeah, <laughs> that would be kind of isn't the idea. Not on television. It, oh, if yeah. it was now, a TV show, it's now the, it there, there's nothing. There's nothing interesting about people succeeding. No, you're right. It's boring, right? So back to the so the so the Garrett Morris Comedy oh. Club show that was. Uh, um, it was it was you know it was interesting that room. I don't know I don't know. I mean it's, it's okay that it's 
that room is very difficult. It's a music performance room, and I don't know if anybody understands this, but stand-up comedy is not really designed to be on a tall stage. Yeah. Music is fine for a tall stage, but comedy is a little more intimate, and when you remove the, the comedian further and further, you remove them from yeah. the audience, there's more of a disconnect. Well, I mean, I, that's... For spoken word? Well, yeah, but I, that's how I, I, I agree with you. Like, I prefer a more intimate setting, you know, but I, I think the hi-hat is a really good venue for... Both, both music and comedy, I think they can. Well, I you disagree. Know, I know. I mean, they got the high tables. Everybody's kind of you know sitting up, and uh, I don't know. I, it it didn't it didn't the venue itself doesn't bother me so much. I mean, they've been in so many. The funny part about the downtown comedy club and Garrett Morris's downtown comedy club, and whatever else it might have been called over the years, is that it's been in different buildings and different rooms. <laughs> For like the last decade, it should have just been just, called Nomad Comedy it, because it's, it's dude, literally. It really goes. should have been called something like like Nomad Nomad the Nomad Comedy Club or something. Garrett's like Gypsy Comedy <laughs> Club, <laughs> the Covered Wagon Comedy Show, That's right. <laughs> because it really was like it would be down. It would be down like one block off Skid Row for like a month and a half, and then it would move into uh, above a French restaurant like five blocks from oh, Skid yeah. Row, yeah. and then. And went into a hotel that looked twice haunted, and the, I mean, I felt bad the first time. One of the worst rooms was that the big one in the hotel. It the was one like, leaking. It was just so no, it was just so big. It was like cavernous. It was, but you know, that's where they held the first Academy Awards, right? Really, that room, yes, was where the first Academy. You know, because used to be the Academy Awards yeah. it used to be banquets. It was not what it is, right? Now. Well, so that's where they held the first one. Oh, that's cool because Alexandria Hotel is what you're referencing. Yeah, the first night that the downtown comedy club opened up in the Alexandria, uh, they had a show. They locked up, and the next day, some they realized someone had stolen all their equipment, all their sound equipment, their PA, their speakers, their microphones. They took everything, so they had to start over and get new equipment. Sure, it's basically been. I feel like Garrett does it because he enjoys it, and it, he does it out of the kindness of his heart. He likes so live performance. Other people can get up on stage and have a good time too. Because I don't think it was like a money making machine. No, no, they shared. We've talked to this before. I think we talked to Kevin, yeah, uh, who's who owns it with him. That it's just you know we just appreciate the fact that anybody makes you feel welcome. And, yeah, and that was definitely the case there. Yeah, you felt welcome. Uh, it was it was good to see him. It was good to you know do, do the whole show. It was yeah, a couple. I feel like if you know that's probably. I, I don't know when I'm going to see Garrett Morris again. Like, honestly, if, unless he comes to do the show, which we, we're hoping he will do. But, yeah. but um, you know, if we're not doing those shows, I'm not going to stumble onto the set of Two Broke Girls or like show up at his, his house. Well, like, if you do both those things, are serious problems. Unless well, you're invited. Unless I, was, yeah, unless I was cast on the show. Yeah, that would be, and, or yeah. cast at his house, yes. Yeah, or cast as like a butler, <laughs> a manservant of some kind. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if he like coming to America at me? He was like, hey, man, I'm having a party. I want you and Brian to show up. We show up. He gives us red vests. <laughs> Hey, there's a cough, and it wasn't mine. He gives yeah. us red vests, and we're outside. I just swallowed cars. phlegm, by the way. There's nothing more disgusting than realize you have nowhere to go with the phlegm, and you have no choice but to bring it back. <clears throat> which, knowing that you're gonna just gonna cough it up later, it's uh, disgusting. You're talking about disgusting. I I want to find this girl's name. The last night I did Barney's Beanery. Mm-hmm. Uh, this girl told the grossest story about like I've a lot of people have had unpleasant airplane experiences, right? And I've been responsible for other people's unpleasant airline experiences. Oh, good for you. Well, I'm not proud of it or anything. I'm just saying I've had one of those like, 
you know, uh, up all weekend drinking and then like get on the plane, last guy on the plane. I just looked at this girl and I was like, I'm really sorry for what's about to happen. And then I just passed out and just started drooling and farting. And it was, I'm, I was going to say, the drool, all that was fine until you said farting. I was like, oh, that, I mean, it was like, you can't I, I do had that nothing to people but Portillo's, <laughs> yeah, Portillo's in a white castle all weekend and probably fried chicken and like, and a thousand, a thousand Miller lights or old styles or whatever I was drinking when I was home. But, like it, so, you just smelled and looked like a lot of bad decisions. When oh, you it was a, it was one giant bad decision, and I could when I woke up when we landed because I I was out as as soon as I sat down. I was like, I'm really sorry. Out woke up when we landed. Like for me, the flight was great, right? Yeah, because you the, were Nicolas Cage and she was not. <laughs> I don't know what that means. No, he just hammered noise on planes. Oh, okay. From what I understand, um, yeah, I didn't. I've never heard that, but uh, but well, I, I uh, definitely you heard it here first. Uh, guys, gossip that is probably story. made up. We're breaking a breaking story. a made up story. This is where we break the made up news. That's right. Um, yeah, but I could see it on the lady's face; she was not happy when I well, when I woke up. Yeah, no. no, I couldn't blame her. But and that lady is now my wife. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool, though? Uh, a couple other awkward things that happened because um, I don't ever really get out. One, I. I felt I ordered a couple beers from that place, and I, I, it's, I think I said this. Oh yeah, because I drove. I, I picked them up. Yeah, I mean it wasn't that far from my house, but Stephen still. That's not the point. Well, the point, I wasn't also getting drunk, but I just ordered a couple of drinks, and I, I I can't stand these places that are so hip and so cool that they don't even they're not even welcoming. Like you feel like. You ever you ever go to a bar or a restaurant where you feel like you're bothering them by oh, yeah. requiring service yeah, of them? Sure. And they're just they have that. And I've seen this happen in comedy sometimes where comedy shows take place in venues that are not traditionally comedy shows and somebody has to work it and they got the short straw and they hate comedy or whatever the case may be, so they already come in angry. That's what I felt like. I felt like yeah. there was nothing welcoming about it. Not to mention the fact that you and I got there and we're both on the show and we're like, we're on the show. The guy's like, you're not on a list. And then he's, he's like, yeah, can he's you like, go? I don't f- have your name. Go find, go find someone who books it. But you, he, I had one to, of you has to wait here. One of, <laughs> In case you both go in there and start dancing and having fun together, I'm going to need to be able to, hey man, if you can't find us in this sparse crowd. It's like, it wasn't Studio I'm, 54. I'm it was six, not. Five, I got a red beard. I'm the only one in a bright blue Cubs hat. All right. <laughs> This dude next to me, he just yell out arm hair, and anybody who cringes, it's him. One of you has to stay behind. Fine, man. What yeah, man here, like, I, you oh, should I just do. pull out handcuffs, handcuff yourself to him, and be like, neither of us are leaving. And the thing is, I'm in my forties. I, I don't even. I don't give a shit. He doesn't understand. Like, you get to a point where you just don't give all that kind of shit. Yeah, I don't give. I don't care. Like, what, what would drive me? On a Sunday night to go to a bar with barely a lot of people in it to try to sneak in to save what five dollars? I don't even know what 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 would we have accomplished from that? You know what I mean? Like I just I, I kind of just look at it like oh, but again I think he was like twenty four years old and he lives in that world where he thinks that and that's also, important to him. Well, but there's also look there's also you know you're you're new at a job or you're you know it's you're working and you don't want to lose your job and your boss is like hey nobody who's not on the list gets in. Like that's an order. That's something that you have get to take. It. I get it. Fairly serious, and it, you know, and he doesn't know. You know, people like us. I can see how you'd be like, oh, these guys probably think they can do whatever they want. Look at them go. Look. No, we do, we don't have that look. That's what I have. That's my look. I, I had whatever it, I want. It, I was, it said that on my shirt, but I don't have the look. It said Bertram, Bertram Ballpark Mustard. Isn't cool? Should I get I'm Clive Bertman. Bertman, Bertman's Ballpark yeah. Mustard. So then Andy Dick showed up. Mm-hmm. And um, they said that he was headlining, but he 
did kind of, but he only did like 10 minutes of, and I don't know what he did. I guess he sang a song. Was, I, I really couldn't sang, understand. He usually, that's usually what he does. I that's think he, he sings, he sings, he, he was sings he a stand-up? And, uh, or not really? Not performer, really. Not. I mean, he's always been more of a performer. I mean, he ta- he'll take the stage of a stand-up show, but I don't think it's uh, the, in the traditional sense that you go up and tell jokes. You know what I mean? He he tells stories and he kind of inter- intertwines that, uh, intertwine, is that a word? Uh, inter- that's interweaves the- it with... Um, like song and stuff like that. But that's not even the highlight. The highlight was out of nowhere he introduced an actress. Edie McClure. In the in But he did that and the audience was like, Okay, pause. She was in, yeah. like had to tell everybody what she was in. But then when we found out, we were excited. She was the well, secretary. Well, I, I knew the name right away. But oh, yeah, you did? Yeah. yeah, you're that guy. Yeah. So would you like to explain to the audience who yeah, she is? She was the secretary in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes. Uh, she was also Mrs. Poole on The Hogan Family, which started out as a show called Valerie, but then Valerie Harper wanted more money, and the network said, no, we'll just kill you off and change the name of the show, which I can't remember before that or since then a TV show that has done that and remained fairly successful. The Hogan Family ran for another couple of seasons at least, you know, but like they killed her in a fire. It was crazy. Like, they opened the season. The show wasn't called Valerie anymore. It was called The Hogan Family. Now, did they? I don't remember the show. So, did they. Jason um, Bateman was on it. Um, I wasn't a big sitcom guy. Oh, man. I, for some reason, that's interesting that you say that because some people are like, I never watched a lot of late night TV or I never did that. But sitcoms, like TV shows, I definitely. I definitely was drawn to for some reason, like Family Ties, Growing Pains. All right, I watched Alf. those ones. Did not watch um, Alf. I don't know why I didn't watch. Oh Alf. man, Alf was great, dude. Uh, Get a Life was. I it was a sitcom, but it was a. <laughs> That's Fox, right? That, that was. Yeah, that was that that was in their day of like this, like Married with Children saved made Fox a network, right. and then The Simpsons made it a powerhouse. Well, Fox then, for, for those that don't even go back that far, they changed the landscape of what um, network television could be. They had no choice. They couldn't. You know, it's something like a lot of uh, networks now try to compete with that with with uh with the cable ones try to compete with the uh, like abc nbc cbs and i think that the mentality is fox sets the bar you should do something a little bit different than what they're doing and then you'll yeah. get that audience because they definitely were far more edgy they were doing they were doing things well and, that was and, the, like you said they didn't have a choice it was like they couldn't afford or whatever their network whatever the deal was nbc and abc and cbs were putting out shows that had you know, a little bit of star power behind them, had a little bit, the writers and the directors were, you know... These, a lot more money. A lot more money, I guess, is, yeah, is the best way to put it. And then and then along comes Married with Children. you got to think, like, if you would have pitched Married with Children to an ABC executive in 1980, whenever that show came out, right? Four, mm-hmm. five, six, seven, something like that. Uh, they would have been like, what, a pervy shoe salesman, woman shoe salesman who hates his wife? Like, it was like, it was like the, it was like a modern day honeymooners, Especially the beginning of Married with Children, the first few seasons, at the end of every episode, Al always said something like, you know, I love you, Peg, or whatever it was, and then kind of dipped her and gave her a kiss, just like Jackie Gleason used to always say to Audrey Meadows, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, baby, you're the greatest. Like, so they would have their problems all episode, and it would be comical and whatever, but at the end, at the end, especially on The Honeymooners, it was always kind of a heartfelt, like, with you know, kind of an acknowledgement. Without you, I would be dead. <laughs> you know what I mean. And I, and Married with Children had that for literally the first two, three seasons. They had that, and then it was really became like, all right, shut up, Peg. And then it was like, you know, then it became I don't know. It was more like All in the Family all of a sudden. Then it became a, yeah. Well, 
it was kind of like it was an all in the family meets the honeymooners and and it became yeah it went a little bit more all in the family although all in the family man you really can't touch a show like that in terms of um just the roller coaster of the ups and downs of of like the it was a dramatic comedy you know what i mean like Almost every episode was a dramatic comedy. It wasn't. Well, they, yeah, they dealt with some very real. Yeah, and they heavy dealt things with stuff, and, and I think that's that's Norman Lear, man. I think yeah. that guy was just a uh, whatever. The way he could bring topics to television, he did it. Like other people, I'm sure tried to get that kind of stuff on TV, and yeah. people were like, "Dude, not this way." No, right. That's if you misfire, you much. misfire bad. Yeah, I mean, you you alienate an entire a race of people or a group yeah. of people, and that's that's not good for ratings. No. <laughs> you know, and that's what television is. It's like they make their money on ads and stuff. So, in case no one knew that, <laughs> is that why I'm looking at commercials all the time? But um, but yeah, I mean, all in the family really kind of. Could, and I'm sure there were people that were like, this is offensive, and this is, how can we have this vulgar shit on television? And But at the same time, I mean, you can wa- I can watch All in the Family now and be like, Whoa, wow, that's, yeah. that's good. <clears throat> there is, I know a lot of people make fun of CNN for a lot of stuff, and they should, but um, all news networks, for that matter. Yeah, um, mo- most news networks. It's, which it's, they're not news, but it's they're just media. It's media. It's, yeah. it's media. it's not news. Um, but uh, they do do a couple good uh, doo-doo. <laughs> they do uh, a couple. Oh, you can tell I have small children, and I'm twelve. <laughs> That's right. I can tell that you enjoy it as well. Uh, they d- have some documentaries, like the '60s, '70s, and '80s, and 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 one of the things that they cover within their docu series is they they cover television each one of those decades. And they yeah. do in the '70s one, which I believe you can get on Netflix now. They do cover all in the family and all the things they were doing. So it's worth it, you know, based on what John is talking about, if you go to Netflix and, and watch, there is, you can, you kind of like, you can handpick the parts of the, of the docuseries that you're most interested in, whether it's politics or television or music or whatever, you can just pull that part out of it and just watch that one episode. And it's pretty cool. The evolution. I mean, I'm sure there's, I should look to see, but I'm sure there's documentaries and just the evolution of television. You know what I mean? I mean, it, it's really, it's an interesting, like TV is an interesting thing. And I, I've always been, drawn to it i don't know why you could just it's just there's just so much going on the box yeah yeah and 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 we're just we're just getting more and more ways to watch more and more things you know there's more avenues you don't have to have cable i'm on the verge of getting rid of direct tv because i've got the baseball app Mm -hmm. Uh, as soon as i can get a hockey app what is the what is the point well there's sling tv if you want completely off you could just go to sling tv you can get everything and you don't even have to have direct tv or or, uh, cable anymore yeah, which I mean, is you know, which is why, and this is what I didn't realize. I was trying to figure out like why uh, it's okay for AT and T to buy Directv and why it's okay for Comcast to buy Time Warner Cable. Basically, they're just it's like Pac Man. They're just eating yeah. everybody up, and then there's only two left, mm-hmm. and that's it. And ultimately, those two will probably well, eat each other up, yeah, and then they'll just be one, which is very scary because we grew up. In our youth, the Cold War still existed, right? When we, when we first grew up, and it was all about that, the controlling of information and having this one monster just feed the system, and you only found out what you... It's funny how like, it just seems... I'm not, and again, I'm not a conspiracy person, but if you were, if you were and you like to wear tinfoil on your head, that's the kind of stuff you'd be pointing to <laughs> yeah. right now and completely yeah. freaking out, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, government-run, ultimately government-run television, which it's not, it's business-run, 
which runs the government. So well, I guess right. in yeah. the end, it's it, 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 all, it all feeds and serves its own purpose. It's like you, you eventually will then only see shows that, you know, that the people who support these politicians or this part of the government, you know, it'll all work together. And you're right. You could have a huge, giant mess. So I wanted to wrap up the, the hi-hat, um, Derek Garrett Moore's downtown comedy club thing in, in respects to Edie McClure. So what ended up happening is only oh, I yeah. can find awkward ways to spend my life. So I was talking to, I guess, this guy that was with her. And he was talking about how he was getting into uh, comedy. And he said, my name is Mike. My last name is Stan. Do you get it? Mike Stan Comedy. I was like, okay. So then... Um, <laughs> First of all, I would like to point out how genius that is. My name is Mike Stan. Hi, Mike Stan. Right. That's great. Okay. All right. So anyway, so he... <laughs> there was a radio guy when I was in radio. Uh-huh. There was a radio guy. What was his name? Justin Case. <sighs> okay. There's a magician named Justin Credible. Oh. See? Just in some, anything. Hi, Mr. Credible. My name was That's Incredible when I was growing up. Mm. No. Well, who, who called you that? No one. Okay. I just made that up because that's what apparently you can do when you want to be in the biz. Well. The biz of show. So anyway, so she... We couldn't figure this out. You and I talked about this afterwards. So she came over and was talking to him. And I was like, hey... Um, she asked me a couple of questions. I don't remember what we were talking about. But then I was like, oh, I have a... Real, um, a Something you in common. Felt we have something you in had common. An in with her. Not an in, but something in common that I'm not very good at bothering people or discussing anything with them. Usually, I just go, "Oh, hello," and then I leave. And I and so I thought I had something in common. So why not share it? I thought it might be exciting. So mm-hmm. I said to her, "Hey, I just did a movie with Alan Ruck. He played Cameron." But, and, but you didn't say that. You just said Alan Rock. I just said Alan Rock. Right. And she but went, oh, okay. Now, for okay. anybody listening, Alan Rock played Cameron in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And she just she just stared at me and then went, okay. And I was like, God damn it. I should have just said nothing, just said hello, and just went away. Now, to, and then they got, and then credit, Mike Stan, and then Mike Stan oh said. God, unreal. And then Mike Stan said. <laughs> That oh. oh, we just did a Ferris Bueller reunion something somewhere, and he didn't show up. And then I went, <laughs> good story. And I was like, thank you, Mike Stand. And then, and so then I said, and then I panicked. She was spurned. By you, were, you were with me when this when this I happened. I was or standing no? behind really you, going, attention. I I couldn't okay. hear, but I knew for certain. Like I would have bet money that whatever was going on was super awkward because her face, like I would look over, and her face was like. Huh? Like she was confused at what was happening, why she was even talking. By the to way, you. I was a lot taller than her. Oh yeah, we were giants compared to her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I panicked, and after Mike Stan said that, I went, I turned around, I go, Alan Rock, he played Cameron in in, <laughs> in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and she goes, okay, and then she just walked away, and I was like, God damn it. I, why did I even what, what, what just happened? Well, you, like you, what just happened? You thought there would be like, oh, I love Alan. Yeah, but and then you could but, go, yeah, he's great, and then you could have that. Yeah, whole, good yeah. guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. What you and so then it was just me and Mike stand, and then I turn to Mike stand. I'm like, he is a really good guy. He's like, yeah, he, yeah, but he, I don't, I don't know, because he, he didn't see him know, obviously. Never he's, met him. he's like, we, and then he said something like, we haven't been together that long, and then, and then Mike stand also had to leave. So it just the whole thing just fell apart. So, and then we, anybody and then, wondering, uh, Edie McClure we, is not going to be on the podcast. And then we walked away. I should, yeah, no. And then as we as we left, we we walk out the door, turn to our left, and then people are just taking pictures of Garrett. It was just it was a very surreal group of people. Oh yeah, it was Edie Garrett and Andy Dick all standing together, talking and getting pictures of them. Which it was it, it, to me, 
that that if that happened in any other city, people would be right. It's like, but it, because of where we were, it was like. It's just you just kind of go, yeah, yeah. That's the kind of stuff that happens. All yeah, right, it, it was very. It, I just yeah. want to get out of there because I didn't want to embarrass myself anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, we should just have a show called Conversations with Brian, and you just go out in public and try to talk to people. Well, I told you about the time uh, when we were doing a live broadcast, and, and um, I forget the. Oh, were you doing phrase. radio? You doing radio? Oh, thank God. Uh, uh, the lead singer of uh, Live. Whose name is Casey right now? My love is yeah. like water pinned down and abused for being strange. Our love is no Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So, so you know. So, uh, anyway, he was, he was, uh, we were doing a, a, a live broadcast at uh, um, Marcus Amphitheater in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Great. I think where Summerfest is. You've been to. Oh, I've been to Summerfest. One of the biggest music Took a bunch of dumps and some porta potties oh, there. God. Yeah. Um, a buddy, my buddy DJ Brooks uh, used to call those, he said that uh, he used to work at Summerfest uh-huh. and we get really upset at the end of the night because they're, he was part of the cleaning crew. Oh no! And, and they would they we would go over the radio when things were bad in there and they would they would go we got a four waller which means that someone's anus had exploded and got on oh, all four wall. walls. Yeah, which means that's a different type of cleaning. Yeah, you know supplies oh, man. and, and low man on the totem pole. Fire. Set that, <laughs> that thing on point, fire. Right? Low man on the totem pole gets all the four walls. They should make those. You know, they should make those like. I don't know what you could combustible. Sit, I don't not combustible, but like you should be able to burn them, and then just it goes away, like just sweep the ash. The po- way the way Americans ash. eat, you may be burning almost every porta potty. Hey, but then you build more. You know what I mean? Like they're that's they're desi- they would be designed at that point to to burn them down and then you know build other ones for. So anyway, so um, the lead singer um, uh, live. of live. So the way the the, the remote broadcast worked, I was only like ten feet away. From another one of the guys, uh, one of the other uh, DJs, and so he had his wireless, you know, remote kit, and he's getting ready to interview the guy from live, and I was like pretending like I wasn't anywhere near them, but I had to throw it to him so he could interview him, and I was like, yeah, we're about to go, uh, Ed, Ed Kowalczyk, we're about to interview Ed Kowalczyk, lead singer alive, and he's like, yeah, well, dude, I just tell that guy that uh, I love him, I, I love him so much, and I, I was staring at him when I said that, and I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> And he got the. I love him so. Yes, and he, because I had locked eyes with him when I was saying that. Yeah, yeah. It got. I could just tell that he was like, (laughs) that guy's not coming over here, right? Like after (laughs) security, security. The whole interview, he's just staring at you, like make sure this guy doesn't come anywhere near me. And trust me, I didn't get anywhere near him because I could tell he had a please don't come anywhere near me look on his face after I had said that. And I remember when I just when I got off the air, I was just like, what did I just do? Why did I say that? Why would I scare someone like that? Uh, I'm well, not, that's not who I am. Look, you weren't trying to scare him. You just got... <laughs> your emotion just got the better of I you, don't, you know? I don't know what happened. Hey, look, you love him, man. I, it's fine. <laughs> I look. love him. love him so much. Not just a little bit. love him so much. Yeah, you don't just love him as a performer. You love him so much. <laughs> that is kind of weird, man. I mean, if if live if you were like live was my favorite band growing up, like I'd be like, oh, okay, well, you're that's still weird, but yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I just keep my distance from people. It's just better. <laughs> just it's everybody. Better Hi, celebrities. I'm Brian. I'll be over here. Yeah, <laughs> I'll continue to long waves, but I will tell you that I don't. I love no one now. I love no one. Wait, why did you just say that? You to lo- me? You're locking eyes with people. I don't love anybody. Yeah, I, don't, like, I don't love. Okay, I don't, great. I don't love you. Did you meet Dead Inside over yeah. here? He doesn't love anyone. <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? Uh, yeah. Start wearing a cape, dude. Just get weird. 
Well, yeah. I told and there's another story I told you about the comedian and when I first moved out here at the comedy store. There was a there is a guy and oh. I think he still does it. Leo something or another. Anyway, he uh he had okay jokes, whatever, mediocre jokes, and the the long, long time ago general manager was like, you know, what you should do is get a cape. And I think he was being sarcastic about it. And Leo wore a cape. And yeah. he never stopped wearing yeah. that cape from that day forward. But he never referenced the cape. So it, it, he just he was like, oh, so if I put a cape on, everything I'm doing, it all, all would be right in the world? And the guy's like, yeah, absolutely. And he just did it. Ne- and never referenced the cape. And yet, here we are talking about the cape. I guess in that well. Clearly. The two of us are talking about the cape. <laughs> on, I, I loved him. I loved him so much. On the Emmy, <laughs> the Emmy Award winning... Uh, on the Emmy Award winning guests of the Hollywood Anonymous podcast. The Hollywood Anonymous podcast. Emmy, Emmy Award winning. Did you watch the debate last night? I watched about... The first presidential debate between that dude and, uh, and, that and Hillary Clinton. Uh, I watched the first five minutes and I, I couldn't... Like, first of all, can we talk... Let's talk about... Because like, to me, I can't take yelling... I can't take I can't take it. Like it's just him yelling at her, release your emails and her like release your tax returns. And I'm just like, both of you butt heads like the three stooges and fall down and I want to hear canary noises and both of you have like X's over your eyes and you're like, Does MTV still do celebrity deathmatch with the cartoon characters? Oh my god, no grandpa. This would be an easy one to do. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure No grandpa. Really? That's a grandpa reference now? So old at this point. You're like, what's Martha Quinn still a VJ? (laughs) She is actually, turns out. Yeah, on MTV Classic. Yeah. Um, Which Andy Cozell had the funniest thing he said. He goes, If if you went into a coma in the eighties and you came out right now, everything would be so insanely different, except for you'd wonder why all these TV shows were still on and how long (laughs) they were gonna like MacGyver? Like, what are we talking about here? How long has MacGyver been on? But anyway, Andy Cozell, very funny comic. We should have him on the show. Yeah, uh, we got sure. You, yeah. And that, I, I, we should do. We should probably do that every show. Try to highlight somebody we know that doesn't get any play. Because I feel like Andy has always been consistently funny. Whenever I see him, always, and and also a, a hilarious dude off stage. You know, he's a funny dude. He's a Chicago guy, so that might help. But um, but I feel like he just doesn't. He's never. You know, he's not getting the the love he deserves from the general public. So. That's about ninety five percent of the people yeah, that come to no, Los Angeles. Is, and again, I'm is. not trying to deter anybody from coming here, but it really I is. Am. Don't so, come here, dude. We, it's crowded, man. Go stay where you are. You know what? People have been saying that for years. It stopped absolutely no oh, one. Oh, of course so. not. I'm here. I mean, can you imagine the people that when I rolled in, like, oh, good, and this guy, this guy. <laughs> Where do I go? You just step over the board and be like, hello. I'm like, Hollywood? I did the fatty arbuckle. I went to the Gower lot. I walked on. I go, I want to be in pictures. (laughs) They were like, come back tomorrow, fatty. (laughs) And then I was a Keystone cop. No, but the one thing I will say is, no matter how crazy or yelling or arguing, um, that I think it's it's, where everybody is missing the mark with debates is they... It goes back to the news organizations. Like everybody airs the debates, and there was this big thing about there was a debate before the debate about whose responsibility is it to fact check what's being said, right? Yeah. And everybody said, well, that's the general population's responsibility. So none of the organizations that were airing it were going to do any fact checking whatsoever. And I find that extremely irresponsible because I, it's, they, it's their job to inform that you know you know what I mean. If you say nothing, this is this is what's happening with Trump. If, if 14 million people voted for him as a Republican, okay, and they're saying that 70% of the things that he said were erroneous or they were lies, that means those people are being lied to. 
14 million people are being lied to 70 some odd percent of the time. Even if let's say it's half of that, you know what I mean? So 35 to 50% of the time, let's just say it's that. Let's just give that the number. That's, that's, that shouldn't be happening. And they, and, and all the media, CNN, Fox, all of them, what they do um, is they bring on pundits instead of people that speak facts. They bring on people that spin. take a position. They, spin, yeah. they, they take a side yeah. and instead of, and they defend sides instead of speaking <clears throat> truths. And I think that they're the reason why we have what we have happening to us. The media, Not Donald the, Trump themselves. They no, should no. blame themselves for just bringing in all these pundits that scream and yell at each other and never, they also do not talk the truth. Agreed, agreed. I mean, they, the, 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 they're all, the, the point is like, he is a liar. She is also a liar. She just lies on a level. But all that has, politicians but That's do. what I was going to say is that she lies on a level of a politician. Now, I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying she's the best candidate in the world for the job. But he is not a candidate that should be even considered. Do you know what I mean? Like he is like they were deleting. He was like she was like, you said that global warming was caused by China. And then he was like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. And then this, I follow this reporter, Mark, uh, I can't know what, but he just, he rails on everybody. And he was like, I'm on Twitter. And he's like, yep, here's the tweet. Yeah. And then he posted another picture of them. They deleted the tweet. So they, they deleted like, it after he said that? Yes, oh. they, they're going through his account now. His, his campaign is going through his account, deleting things that he actually made claims while he was holding his own phone. <laughs> they have to do, and again, it's spin, but it's, it's all just like, look, the only, to me, the only choice we have at this point is Hillary Clinton. We, that's it. I mean, there is no, Donald Trump cannot be, I mean, he can be, I guess, but that is some hate-filled shit going on, man. The, his, the people that are supporting him are fucking angry, ignorant white people who are scared. They're misinformed. They're, yeah, they're lied to. They're misinformed. And, and they that's believe, making them angry. And they believe the hype. And they believe the hype. And yeah, and they're told that someone's taking your jobs. And like, someone's taking our jobs. It's Here's like, what bothers me. Dude. Why hasn't, hasn't anybody just said, okay, if, if this is an issue, if we have Republicans and we have Democrats, which I'm not against all Republicans and I'm not for all Democrats. I'm just, I'm not. So I'm not, I'm not here to no, be, you I'm can't not touting one side. Everyone gets judged on an individual basis. But here's what I don't understand. Let's just go back. So Barack Obama had eight years and then let's go another eight years back. So let's just go from the, from 2000 to 2016 and let's just fact check year by year where the country was at, what was going on where problems were solved, where problems started, where problems were solved again, or if they continue to maintain that. No one's doing that. So basically what's happening is Donald Trump's platform is make America great again. So what he's saying is America is a piece of shit. Nothing is good in America. Nothing good has happened, which is not true. Right. During Barack Obama's time in office, and I'll only speak for that. I'm not going to go eight years back. But my point is that when he inherited it, we were already in the recession. So he did not create it. He inherited it. He, if I'm not mistaken, killed Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. Uh, unemployment is down. Oh, you know he down. says that at parties. <laughs> I'll be saying that for the rest of my life. Hey, man, I went to the but, moon. Yeah, I killed again, Osama bin Laden. I want to be clear. I'm not a very educated person when it comes to politics. I'm just pointing out a few things that have existed. You sure. know, uh, he does fight war and terror, and I, that one just drives me nuts. There's no Democrats or Republicans that somehow or another think that they want to not, not, not fight the war on terror. That, that whole thing is a yeah. joke to me. All politicians do. And everybody no one's going to come sure out we, and go, you know what, we like terror, and there, we want to keep it going. There is no Democrats, and nor is there any Republicans that would want to dismantle the military in the United States of America. No, 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 it's, no, no. The most, it's one of the most that important ter- things that we would, have. It makes no sense. That would terrify everybody. But it's a false talk. narrative. There's a false narrative within the, the well, Republican Party that says that Democrats want to get rid of it. Those are 
Again, a false, false narratives. narratives. Yeah, no one's coming for your guns, man. They just want gun safety. If you're buying your guns legally, no one cares. And also, AR-15 shouldn't be out in public. That's common sense. But again, you. It, it, you're bringing up you're bringing up statistics and it's, facts, it's and like, it's not about that. It's they no. laughed about it last night after both of them got off the air. They said they go to the spin room and they go <laughs> the spin room in politics. That's where they go ahead and yeah. spin it in a different direction for what you really meant to say. And I'm like, see, that's the problem. Yeah. Where are the fact checkers? There should have been fact checkers right there. I did not like Lester Holt at all. He let no, everyone he let Trump that babble on and on. He never just said. Hey man, um, why don't you just stop talking for a second? Yeah. Since this is supposed to be a respectful debate about real issues, not you spiraling off of control, yeah, out of control, out of control, you know. But again, it doesn't seem to stop anything. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't seem to stop Trump and his supporters. They just seem to continue to move forward like it doesn't matter. Screw Hillary and screw Democrats. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't. I don't know. The whole thing just bothers me that no one wants to stick to fact. It's and no one wants to educate the general population on both sides. Yeah. Just put the facts up on television, man. Stop putting all these knuckleheads like Jeffrey Lurie and all these other psychotics that come on and just sit there and just defend everything that people say. Yeah. And the only reason why it bothers me is because I just think that it can affect us all. Eventually, long term, all this crazy shit can totally screw us up. And I know it's great for comedy. Donald Trump is great for comedy. Don't I mean, get me wrong. He's he, great for he, comedy. You know what, though? Like, I think that's done. You know what I mean? I really do. I feel like... Like who? What are we still up there? Being some, I want to hear someone's Trump impression. Like now we're, we're now it's hack. It's like if it's not like if he became president, comics would have a fucking parade down Main Street. Like oh my god, this is going to be the best four years of our lives. We're all going to write Donald Trump jokes now. Like no, if I it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger became governor, dude. Do you remember that? Do you yeah. remember what that did for comedy? Yeah, that was so annoying that we had to hear. I'll do. I do government. I get down government. Some fucking hack doing Arnold Schwarzenegger as there was the a governor. Lot of Schwarzenegger in town here, dude. A lot of it. When the crocodile hunter was big, when the, like that kind of shit that you think might be good for comedy, going. you don't really. Every third comic well, I, would go up and do a Croigy. I'm going to fight my stool like it's an alligator. <laughs> I forgot. Or hump it or whatever. <laughs> like it was uh, just like that. Like people say that like. Oh man, George Bush was so good for comedy. Huh, really? You got a lot of nine eleven jokes out of that whole thing. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I don't. That, well, I the don't, George Bush stuff was that he would say the words all wrong. That was like uh, the big George Bush, right? One, right? But then once Will Ferrell does it, who else is able to do it? Are we? Is, I mean, I go on watch my George Bush when I get up on stage. I'm going to showcase for some agents. And they're going to really think what I'm doing is cutting edge. I will say, there's not a lot of people doing the Obama one. Not a lot. And maybe because he's just very middle of the road. Like he doesn't. Uh, I mean, I no, know that he's got. He does have a very specific way he speaks, which is kind of well, similar to. But but the, all the Obama impressions are like about how cool <coughs> he is, and how smooth he is. You know what I mean? Because Willie Hunter does an Obama, but I not think. out of control. Like you're talking about the Schwarzenegger, or no, the Bush, no, 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 or the no, Crocodile no, Hunter. No, they go really the react. they go the opposite way. They're like he's like he's like silky smooth. You know what I mean? <coughs> Who was another big person that people love to imitate? That's fine. I totally forgot about the Crocodile Hunter. That was like. Huge in the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, Croc you know, that's hilarious. Everybody. When Gary Busey had a TV show, like, although Matt <laughs> Matt Dittman did always make me laugh doing Gary Busey. Matt he Dittman, was, he of Fried Chicken. Oh, of Matt Dittman of Fried Chicken fame. Of fried Chicken fame. <laughs> Guys, get down to Crawford's Pronto Tonto. That place is delicious. <laughs> Literally, I wish. You know where I hope we we get to. Uh, you the know, broadcast being there and eating fried chicken the whole time. Oh my night. God! Yeah. That is a great idea. We should have him. We should interview him at the rest at the bar. We went mobile last week, so we know we can go mobile. We now, went so. mobile. And by the way, what a great episode. I, th- I thought last week was 
I was reaching out to people, making sure, like, you got to listen to this girl. I mean, she was the sense of humor that Danielle Perez has and, and the shit that she has endured. And yeah. then to have, like, Man, I, I I looked irony up in the dictionary to make sure that I, that this was ex- before you used it. Before I was like, this is the most. This is insane irony. Like, I don't. Ha- I'm in a wheelchair. On the Price is Right, I want a a treadmill and a walk in sauna. I don't have any feet. Like, wow, wow. And for them, that what I loved was when. Uh, First of all, props to Jimmy Kimmel and his entire staff for showing him that video and right. then being on the phone with them that quickly and getting her on the show and ha-ha to CBS for not jumping on that quickly and pretending that everything was business as usual and not even attempting, not even attempting to say, let us see what we can do about this. Maybe we can get you different prizes. Maybe we can get you a cash voucher. Like Maybe if you contacted those companies, they'd be like, yeah, that's fine. You know what I mean? Right. Not even an attempt. And then to, to try to sweep it under the rug and then to try to say, you're going to go on James Corden. <laughs> and I'm not trying to bash James Corden. But if you had to hold the... They could have just sang it off. Lady, lady, yeah, what, right? What carpool karaoke? She gets a, the van thing. like She, <laughs> she gets <laughs> raised and they're singing. I don't know. It was just... Uh, it was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking to her. Yeah, no, it was it was <clears throat> excuse me, it was definitely uh, a blast. That's the second that's the second uh, good prices right story I've heard. You ever hear Josh Androsky's? Uh, no. He he went on. I'm surprised I, I didn't realize and she did touch on this that there is a it's very cultish when you're there and the oh, people yeah. oh, I brought that up dude. I brought that story I brought her story up to somebody over the weekend. And they were like, yeah, Price is Right. Like, those people that are into it are, like, way into it. When did you first see that show? Oh, when I was a kid. I mean, I watched that and Lex Make a Deal. I think we aired back-to-back. And I've really? always been on CBS. And they were they on have. during the middle. You know, you, you stay home sick from school or whatever. And okay, see, those I, two were on. And As a child, as a kid, I never gave a shit about game shows. Not once. Wheel of Fortune, when it was popular, I did not care. Never that cared I can about game because that's a little bit like learning. Yeah, right. Letters. Yeah. Um, but then <laughs> I got to college and I had some friends, like all th- not, never in high school did I watch a game show. You know what I mean? And then I get to college and I joined this, I didn't join, I got a, a summer job cleaning crew, right? We would clean the dorm rooms. And I am not a good employee. The, I, well, I'll admit it. I can, it stems from, I don't know what it stems from. I don't like to work. So we would, me and my buddy Tim and uh, this kid Brian Sharp, who, but Tim and Brian had done it before and they were really good at cleaning it and they had a system down. And then I was like, all right, man, what's the system? And I want to get in. And then one day I came in and Brian was watching, uh, he was in the lobby watching Price is Right. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's Price is Right. I go, oh. And I watch it and then him and Tim start kind of, they're going at it and guessing. And, and I'm like, oh, this is, oh, this is kind of fun. And then literally, then we would go to work, and I would just go into a dorm room and close the door and turn on the TV to Price is Right and just lay on the bare bunk and just like watch Price is Right laying down until one of them came in and was like, you're not cleaning anything? I'm like, oh, dude, I've been watching the Price is Right for the last 45 minutes, dude. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Because it was like an hour show, wasn't it? It was like 10 to 11. Well, yeah. yeah, I think it had to be. I think it split up into two half hours. Yeah. 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 But I mean, and and also, I I had the... Miss Drew Carey at the Improv. It's, I specifically went to go see him do the Envelope show the other night, uh, the Scout Derwood and Heather Ann Campbell show, where they they pair TV writers like sitcom mm-hmm. writers with stand-ups, mm-hmm. and then the, the the writers write five minutes of material, right? 
in 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 one in that day within an hour's time they're supposed to write five minutes they seal it in an envelope and give it to the comic as he walks on stage or they walk on stage and then the comic opens it up and has to read it as if it's their own mm-hmm. their own jokes i did the show once it was really fun to do and they had drew carey uh closing it out on this last one and so i was like oh I'll go watch Drew Carey, but he's like he's lost so much weight and stuff. Like I was, I didn't realize. Was he wearing glasses? Yeah, he was wearing okay. glasses, but like he was sitting in front of me, and I didn't know. And I coughed at one point, and then he turned around. And I was like, "Hey," and he was like, "Hey, man." And then, but I did, and, and then I didn't realize it was him until I came back in the room and realized I'd missed his set because <laughs> I went out to go get a glass of water, and I saw Costa was eating dinner with his uh, girlfriend and, and a friend. So I sat down with him, and I was like, "Oh, the show has a while," but they were trying to cram it into an hour. And they were done by the time I walked back in. I was like, oh, wow, that was quick. But I'm late to the game and stuff. But then he was up there, and I was like, oh, he was the guy in front of me. That's crazy, because he just looks so small. He looks so much smaller now. Yeah, I saw him when, yeah. I, when I went to Cleveland and took the kids to the Cleveland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. He was wandering around, are and you no kidding? one knew, because he didn't have his glasses on. That dude looks so different. Are you kidding me? He was I, wandering around the Cleveland Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I was there with my kids, and I, I had the double take, because I was like, no way. That, that's like... Like why if you, is, why if is, you were if you were like I'm just, buying a ticket to Cleveland. I saw him on the show. He's going to be there. Like yes. that's like, and then he's there. Yes. That's weird. Exactly. And no one. But it was in the middle of the day. And I'll tell you why no one figured out it was him because there was very few adults there. It was the middle of the day during a school year, so it was all school tours. Yeah, kids. Don't so know none him. of those yeah. kids had any <laughs> idea. And because again, he looks. He is a lot thinner, mm-hmm. and he looks, looks good. He looks yeah, good. he does. He looks really good. But he doesn't have the glasses on. So you wouldn't peg him immediately, yeah. yeah. And so which, I doubled. Which, by I did the way, double tech, and then must I was be like, really nice for him. Oh yeah, I, I would think. I mean, especially just, being in his hometown and not yes, having to worry he about can go that to, too. To the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, where I'm sure he has like I don't know a free yearly pass or whatever. Like right. you know, you know yes. what I mean? I'm I sure think this, he, I think he gets he's in. Like, okay, I'm Drew Carey. They're like right this way, Cleveland <laughs> but, rocks. Uh, but other than the fact that I followed him twice to make sure it was him, I will tell you that I did. <laughs> I did fact check. And uh, I saw his Instagram, and he had posted pictures from that he the was in that. Well, he was basically he was driving, like he was doing a little. He was kind of seeing a little bit of America, and Good for so him, man. so um, he he had admitted that within that within that twenty four hour period that he was in that area. So I was like, oh, that's totally him. Though, yeah, you know? yeah, that's for sure. That's funny yeah. that you can now go on. That's weird too, right? You can. That's how I fact check certain things when people talk to me. Like I was just like, well, I'll go to whatever and see where you. Well, some, and some people you can't see it, but if they're public enough, yeah. you can see where they were. You know, three hours ago, if you want to, because most people really love telling you where they are and what they're doing but, all the time. But yeah, that's just it's, it. It can be weird though, right? I mean, and also you can't. You can no longer lie to people and then go about your social media day. You can't be like, sorry, can't make it. I got a, I got a meeting, and then post like you and your lady out to dinner or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, uh, people get in trouble for that all the time. Oh man, and people don't think about it. I mean, no, and and also, just I understand free speech, but just think about what you're, what you're. I mean, try it's to getting uh, what's her name in trouble now well, that, that got is, on SNL. That is uh, rid- Melissa Melissa Villasenor. That is a ridiculous witch hunt of whatever they're trying to do. That is. Ridiculous. There is I read never some sh- of the stuff. Have you met her? Do you know her? I met her a long time ago. She's one a very, of very the nice. Nicest. Yeah. She's not one of those ones that sits in a corner no, and just is bagging on people. She is the one of the nicest human beings I've met in this business. Like her and Henry Phillips, if they were running for Mister and Mrs. Nice of Hollywood, you know what I mean? Why, like, why, so why did this all happen? Do that as just, far as you know. And by the way, we, you, why don't you clarify what we're talking? Okay, about Okay, Melissa. Too, Villas- I, know I got in trouble last week for not clarifying. Good point. Good point. Melissa Villasenor was uh, just got onto the. 
next season. She just got cast for SNL. SNL. Saturday Night Live. Uh, she is the first Latina. There have been guys. That Fred Armisen is uh, part Latino. Uh, Horatio Sands. Isn't it amazing? You don't realize until they announce it. You're like, really? Yeah, the it's first, been... the first female Latina, like Latina, the first Latina to get on SNL ever in the history of its 41 years. That's crazy. Right? First off, Completely we're supposed to be a progressive crazy. country, and Completely we have yet it all took, the other countries have had female leaders. And it's, it's, just, it's just funny. That's to me. the other funny thing. Like, oh yeah, women don't make good leaders, and then you look at like every other country and they've had Has a female had for leader, years, and it's like, decades. what is the problem? Why is this? This is the the only one I have to choose from. Like, there's got to be. I'll other tell you w- what the problem is off air because I don't want to piss off any of our listeners. But anyway, continue. Men are better. No. <laughs> that's 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 the easy. That's that that's the easy part to bag on. Why? I mean, it's obviously it's a male controlled thing, but it's right. more than that. And that I that I've penises. Seen anyway. Yeah, it's penis. Um, penis. Penis. <laughs> um. Oh God. Uh, you want to get rid of that? I, no, I had or? to swallow. I just swallowed it. I don't. I told you it's the same one. It keeps coming up. I should have just get up. I'm going to walk up and spit it out the next time. All oh, right, so continue. Thanks. So she. So so, so, so who she, dug the dirt on her? Who's so, trying to take her down? I, just out of that's, curiosity. That's what I don't know. I didn't look too far into it because I didn't want any part of it because I think that's ridiculous. And the tweet that I read that they pulled up with it said something like, "There's an there's an angry the this clerk that's waiting <laughs> on me is an angry black lady and she looks like and she named another actor." And she said, ugly. That was the tweet. So basically, this person looks like that person, and that person is ugly. Like, that was the tweet. It wasn't necessarily mean. There wasn't a photo posted with it. There wasn't like, this is what she looks like. She wasn't trying to call anyone out. She's just trying. And this was done, like, this was a tweet from years ago, I believe. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, way back. And I just can't. I'm like we're all comedians, right? We're all trying to find a voice. We're all trying to say something funny. We're all trying to say something we hope is relatable or that someone can understand or that they can grab onto and, and it can either entertain them or make them think or do something. You know what I mean? Like cause a reaction. You can also see things out of context. You don't know what's going on at that time and that day and that world. You know, you have to just look at That's everything. That's the other thing. Is but like, you, you find it a little bit interesting that, um, the last three pe- high-profile people um, to be attacked in that respect: Trevor Noah, yeah, Leslie Jones, yep, Melissa. You know, do you see the, a theme there? The of, uh, uh, do you see any not white? Any white dudes in yeah. there anywhere? No. Although John Rudnitsky, I think they tried to do the same thing Ooh. to him. He got on SNL last season. Uh, he was one and done, but. Um, I think he's good friends with Santino. I could be wrong. About I could be wrong. And if you want to correct me and tell me that I'm wrong, they're, they're, I, I, like I feel like well, they also. Or did you it just to, think it's a new time? They, they and also, that's just how they also does did anything. it to Pete Davidson. They did. Okay. Yeah, so people I, I don't just, think it's a minority thing. I, I think hope it's not. just. I think it's it's. I think the people that started. I think it's a jealousy thing. I think it, there's like if you're if you're mad at Melissa Villasenor for like. She was on a podcast called The Gray Escape. I would have loved to have had her on this podcast. I'm sure that's completely out of our reach at this point because I believe I, tried, uh, I thought we won an Emmy. We're an Emmy winning. We're an award winning show. Award winning show. Sorry. Um, but like I, I feel like she already deleted her Facebook account like the day she got SNL. She's done. Meaning she's just done with social no, media. No, not Twitter. She was still on Twitter. She, I, we, she but was it wasn't Twitter the problem, not Facebook. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think she she didn't delete Facebook because it was a problem. She deleted like. I've been told, like, I've heard stories of, like, when you get SNL, they're like, the first thing you should do is delete your Facebook account and kind of... Or give it an app, take it off just, offline. Yeah, get to give it... Why? Just because people are going to contact you and come out of the woodwork and want stuff and, it gets like... It's very stressful. It can be too much, you know what I mean? So it sounds to me like <laughs> what you're saying versus it being a race thing, 
that it's more of like this is just the new world we live in where it's easy access to people try to take people take, down. Yes, that's the thing. Okay. And that's it's sad I to me. I can see that. Because what we should be doing is I don't rallying. like admitting when I'm wrong, but I can see this. We, but we should be rallying behind people like this. We should be like, Melissa is like in a class that I consider myself like maybe a freshman in, but at least kind of part of. Like mm-hmm. we, we do the same shows. We're in the same area. We're doing like, <clears throat> and granted, if you've ever look her up online, if you don't know who she is, she does amazing impressions. I mean, her impressions, like Melissa McQueen is another one who should be on SNL. McQueen. I think she like she her Jennifer Aniston alone should get her on SNL. Do you know what I mean? Like th- there's just Melissa really when she does JLo, she does the makeup, she looks just like JLo. It's yeah. but then in real life looks nothing like her. Do you know what I mean? Like her ability to transform into these characters and do the, and have the uh-huh. exact voice. It's it's Frank Kellyendo level. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? She's like and and there was a thing online her and Frank did something for Fox and she was I can't remember what character she played, but but like she's just so talented, and and someone like that, like regardless of her race, and it's it's great that she's the first Latina, but regardless of her, she's just talented, and and also one of those people that has never like, do you know what I mean? We did a show with her, The Ice House. I don't know if you were there. <clears throat> her parents were with her. Everyone, it was the nicest. This is the nicest family. Everybody was so normal. But you should listen to Melissa on a uh, podcast called the The Gray Escape. Natalie Gray. Uh, has a podcast and she did an interview and it was was really telling and it was in depth and and very personal but you know she's been through things too it's like it's not like her life has been a, a, a carrot cake you know it's like so let's let's clarify something right now if tomorrow you get snl or a huge gig that changes your life what about your twitter I think, first of all... What's going to happen to I you? Am, I am fairly proud <laughs> of all my tweets. Here's, here's the one tweet that you I... You I mean? You have to think about that. Like, what? But here's the one tweet I, can, I feel like could, could come back and, and make me a, bo- right. a body shamer. All right. I said, hey, girls in cowboy boots, we know you're just hiding fat ankles. Body shame. Yeah, right? So that could come back. But that was like... Probably four years ago. Is it body shame or is it just a come on? You can write better than that, John. But that's the other thing. Is it like, are we really mad at these? Like, and that's like to me, whoever's looking back this far at these tweets and not looking at their work now. I mean, look, everybody grows as an artist. No, they don't. Well, not you're right. Not everybody. Everybody should grow as an artist, <laughs> and that should be your goal. You should a, grow as a human as being. A, I was just going to say, as a human being, it should be your goal to continue to. to you, everybody every, makes mistakes, by the way. I want to be very clear. Like I'm sure I've said things in my life that I feel. Actually, I know for a fact I've I said things say, in my life. I could guarantee that I feel horrible about, but you can't course. go back in time and change it. All you can do is just try to be better as you move forward. Now, if you continue to go down a path where you, you're a repeat offender over and over and over again, and then you try to say, no, 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 I was really trying to change, but the facts speak differently, well, then there you go. Well, I then mean, you there, there's help. the real you, truth. There's a, there's a chronic problem. But I would there. think that's a more that's more of truth-based, is well, if yes. the facts, oh, if yeah. the facts if, don't hold up to what you're saying. Right. And, when and, you keep saying, if somebody goes, no, no, dude, you just tweeted another thing <clears throat> about heavyset people yesterday. Right, right. So stop saying that you're not trying to fat shame or body yeah. shame or whatever. You right, know? right. Well, like, no, but today I, I don't want to do that anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I... I, it's I like people it. who go to who get caught go to jail and they're like, "I'm sorry, everybody." Well, yeah, I know of you're, course sorry you're sorry now. You got caught. Yeah, and you're in jail now. But that's so, what you're sorry for. Yeah. You're sorry you got caught. <laughs> you're, you're not sorry, sorry that you ripped jail. me off. You're not sorry that you stabbed somebody. You're sorry you got caught. Like, yes. And that that's the difference. Do you know what I mean? Like there there but is. But I a will. There. But wouldn't you agree though? It, the good thing is, like using Trevor, going back to Trevor Noah, it didn't stop from getting the job. A lot of people kind no. of were like, "Let's look at these again." Come on, this is not what you think well, it is. That's and, the other thing. We live in this world where everybody wants to be offended. 
Everybody needs something to be outraged about. And if it's one, and the, the, there, it's always now, it's the, some of the tiniest stuff. Like, did you watch the Emmys? There was a group of people, I don't even know why, I didn't even click on it, but there was a group of people angry, angry that the kids from Stranger Things came out on bicycles and delivered peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to the crowd. I don't understand. I don't either. Dude. What were they? You don't know why they were angry? Yeah. I don't um, know why they were angry. Sure, I mean, that wasn't made up? Dude, uh, uh, it was a Let's group hope. of people that got upset about it for a reason I can't remember or lo- I didn't look at. Anti bikers. I don't know what it was, but dude, like, what are, what are, what are you doing? Like, what, I think that I think how, we were what, in danger. What, We've what's t- going on in your soul? How? What is your like? You're not supposed to sit on your stress. You're supposed to like have a relief. You, you should be meditating or th- like uh, spending some time in reflection every day. And like, what is your thought process that you're just like? I got to find something to be irate about and go nuts on. Otherwise. Uh, who am I? I just think that we're going to get into a dangerous part of our world. And this is where when people think that I'm just some sort of liberal goofbag that lives in L.A., they'd be, they, they're, they've mispegged me. My brother always says that to me. My brother's a police officer. He's like, don't, don't assume that I'm just some like hardcore conservative guy that sits in a corner and believes everything conservative-based. He's like, right. it's not. Just because I'm a cop and I just live in a cop. Yeah, yeah, don't profile me and say that this is who I am. It's the same thing with me. It's like a lot of people, and I'm sure you get this because we're both from the Midwest. We moved to Los Angeles. I think a lot of people would profile us and say that we're probably just a bunch of goofball liberals that just want to go out and hug trees and let it, and we're the, we're the problem. We're the ones that have created this soft uh, you know, body you know, the, or this uh, soft soul thing we're talking about. I actually think it's dangerous. I think that every, every ethnic group, every race, every, the, male, the male group... We all have our, our, our stereotypes that are true. There are certain things that we do, we behave, you and I behave like idiots. And that's part of just being dudes. Dudes <laughs> behave like idiots. And I think we should be called on our shit and be able to also laugh at it. I think if you get to a point where you can't call out people for the things that they do do, uh-oh, I did it again. Oh, yeah, you're on a roll, <laughs> buddy. You're on a roll. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then it's like, then everybody's just on edge, and then we're basically muting communication at some point because you're just going to be well, afraid to talk well, to people. Well, that's the problem. You, people are now, everyone's offended, and everyone's afraid to say anything or talk about things. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, but, but, not, but you can still make fun of Asians, if I'm mis- not mistaken, because the Asians have not really spoken up, correct? <laughs> well, Asians can definitely make fun of Asians. <laughs> yeah, they, is that is that okay? So within within a within a group, you're still allowed to make fun of your group. Oh, but you, if you well, go outside look, the group, to, to me, I I I believe so. I mean, now there are there, comics that don't care and still do it and and are are doing well. Well, here's the deal. Do you, I explain what you mean because, like, when you say don't care, there are comics like I will use Andrew Santino as a as a as a as kind of like he talk like he talks about race. He talks about. Like kind of uh, hip hop culture, and and he's very he's, he knows about it. He talks about the N word. He talks about guys who who it gets tossed to and what they do with it. Like that's a hot potato, you know. He's like, oh, I know exactly what to do with it. All right, man. and he just lets it because you just let it trail off. And like he's he talks about that on stage, and and it always gets a good response. And it's it, the majority of the time. It's black people that are like white people's buttholes will tighten up as soon as you start. Like when I do that Babe Ruth joke about how if Babe Ruth came back today, the first thing he'd say is, wow, holy shit, there's a lot of black people yeah. playing this game. Yeah. Black people are dying at that. And every once in a while, there'll be like some white people you can see like, why would Babe Ruth care about black people? Like <laughs> what? Because when he played, there weren't any playing. Like what the fuck? Like you, then you have, it's like I used to do a joke about St. Patrick's Day and gay people not being allowed in the parade and how if you, if you were, if you were a grown man involved in any parade, you were already gay. Like, you know what I mean? Gay people 
Love that joke. Love that joke. But every once in a while, people be like, oh, are you making fun of gay people? I'm like, I think you're missing the point. I'm making fun of parades. Do you think that people are, especially when it comes to comedy, um, that they're confusing um, the stuff that you're talking about with some form of suppression? Because that's the thing. is if it's, if it's suppressing a race in some way, if, if, mm. if, if this mentality... Uh, if this comedy-based stuff is, is is forcing people to be violent against a race or violent against oh, uh, a women or whatever whatever it is or or abuse um, heavy set people or whatever the case may be, if there's direct correlations between telling jokes on stage and being able to jab at people, if there's direct correlation between that and general behavior patterns that is is bringing those people down. Then there's something to look at. Well, I highly doubt you're inciting I'm, violence at that point. If well, that's what, what I'm saying doing. is, I don't think that's the case. No, no I don't think it's that there's opening an, a conversation. Well, and most comedy is pointing out that stuff for that specific weird, funny and we, shit. And like, we as comics have sat in the back and we know when someone is off base with what they're doing. Dude, I remember it, watching a comic talk about gay people at the like a or a big show at the Irvine Improv, and this guy is a big name, and he was just like, I don't understand gay people, and he was like. Literally went on a 15 minute thing, kept point, pushing his fingers together, going like the, he would do the finger through the okay. He's like, now this makes sense to me. This, and then he would poke two fingers together. Like it was like he didn't understand how gay dudes had sex. Like he was, he thinks they just ram dicks or something. I'm like, you know, th- there's holes. Men have holes too. Like, what is this? And like, eventually, learned so much the, from you today. The, the second, show, the second, the late show, finally a lady yelled out, she goes, Who the fuck are you? Like, who are you to say? Gay people don't make sense. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, it's fine the, to have and, the opinion, and but don't be but, don't be well, shocked if, depending on how you present that opinion, that yeah, you're going to get attacked. It, and it just there was no like there was no to me like when you listen to Joe Rogan or Bill Burr talk about the Caitlyn Jenner thing, there's a there's a, a brutal honesty there in terms of like what guys with a regular mentality kind of have to, how do they deal with this? You know what I mean? It's, it's honest. It's not bringing her down or crushing on her or making, or making fun of her. It's, it's honest, like how they deal with it. Right. And then you have people that are just like, I don't know. I don't know. No, but you're right. It's, it's a real honest thing. It's like, you, you look at it like when you're a kid, and your parents have a friend that comes over and maybe they've got like a mole on their face that looks like a third eye. Right. And they know that kids have no filters. So what they do is they sit you down first before do not. anti-third eye comes over right. and you're like, okay, listen, kids, here's what's going on. Now, it's going to be a little bit shocking when they come in. And they kind of point it out. And then when they come in, you freeze, right? Because you're being restricted. And then you overcompensate because you can't. You can't pretend like it doesn't exist. And she doesn't pretend like it doesn't exist. She know everybody in the room knows that something is is different now. Everybody knows. And it's just it's one of those weird things where it's like if you tell everybody you can't, if you just gonna go if you can't do okay. it. Okay. And then to say to somebody, well, what you should say to Auntie Third Eye is that her third eye is beautiful and it's the and it's it's it, you have to find the beauty in her third eye mole. And you're like, Well yeah, but I don't want to say I don't that. know, but what what if I don't believe that? It's, that it's what if it strikes me as a little bit odd. I don't hate her. I don't hate Auntie Third Eye. I don't hate her Third Eye Mole. I don't hate it at all. And I'll hug her. Might probably won't, won't want to kiss her where the Third Eye Mole is because that would freak me out. Like it's okay to have those feelings. And they're saying no, it's not. 
No one well, said no, because any of those things. Saying, any of those try things to out loud. Avoid saying those things out loud. That's all that. That's all that. That's yeah, but then, that, it, then it causes you to act. What I'm saying is, but, but that could also cause you to act weird. And then what right. you're talking about, if you keep it inside, what's going to ultimately end up happening? Well, to me, it's, it's like, going to explode. It's if you and take, then it gets worse. Yeah, it's like when you tell people there's a there's a two drink minimum, but people are like, well, you got a two drink minimum. But if you don't tell them, they'll drink five drinks. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, don't tell someone they can't do something or they have to do something because it's going to be like they'll like. At least my initial response is, fuck you. Like, I don't got to do anything. You say, who are you? Like, you know, you got, can't wear a hat in this club. Well, then your club can slide off. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not coming in. You know what I mean? It was like, it's like one of those, it's like you tell people they can't do something. They're going to be like, what? Don't tell me I can't do it. I got freedoms. Yeah. And then you have a, whatever. But, but I, that, I think I agree with you. That's kind of where it's at. Where like, and I think that's what Bill Burr was, I think, pointing out when he brought it up was like, you can't leave the room as a man, come back as a woman and say, I... I'm not supposed to react. So anyway, like, I'm yeah, a little bit. <clears throat> it's just tell, just allow me to work through it, and then it becomes yeah. no big deal. But it's not. But it again, even anti third eye after a while, doing, no big deal. Right, you just but, get used to it. But what those guys are doing, what uh, guys like Berwin he talks about, it, is they're not oppressing transgender people. They're not shitting on a, a group of people. They're just like, this is how I deal with it, and people might relate because this was my mentality before and now and during and whatever. You know what I mean? Like. There's just there's more of an explanation where some people are just up there and they get rude or weird and it just becomes like, <clears throat> okay, now you're not even like I believe that what people like Bill are doing is in the for comedy. They're making jokes. They're writing this stuff because they know it's gonna yeah. be funny. Or they think it's funny. And like there are some people who just get up there because this is my opinion. And they think because it's their opinion and it's off center that it's going to be funny, but it's not. And sometimes it's, just... it's not. And listen, you know, Mike Faverman, who we both know, got in a lot of trouble for the way he behaved. And ultimately, he had to come to terms with his behavior and realize that some of the stuff he was saying was hurting people. And it was a different approach of what he was doing. And you, and you get called out on your shit sometimes. And sometimes yeah. you have to go, you know what? Yeah, I totally fucked up. Yeah. And I know he went through that. I don't know where that whole situation stands. But there are, there are comedians that sometimes they, they blur the lines between reality and comedy. Yeah. And you have to live with the consequences of it because you are wrong sometimes. You know, in Bill Burr's case, I don't see anything that he's doing is wrong. And there are many comedians that I don't. But like I was saying to you before, sometimes you see somebody you're like, you should probably stop right now because whatever it is you truly believe and whatever hate is in your heart, yeah, that's coming out just straight hate. That's not coming, coming out, out as... It's not funny. No. It's like not... Yeah. No. Yeah. You're, then, then you're the reason why people get upset. Like, that's the thing. Yeah. And look, I'm not saying people don't get upset at stuff that Burr does or whatever because the people everyone's different and comedy is subjective and people have tight assholes and they get upset about the tiniest things. Oh, now, I so. had a woman come up to me after a show. I don't really do this joke anymore, but I used to talk about um, witnessing my child being born. Oh yeah. The milkshake joke. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, just talking about my wife's vagina joke. and all the stuff that happens in there. And, 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 and I remember cause I was very raw about it because it, childbirth is a very violent. It's truly is a very violent and bloody <laughs> process. Man. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, and if you've never been involved in it, it's pretty it's gotta freakish. be shocking. It's, it's like going to war where you're like, yeah. "Oh my god, people are yeah. dying!" It's like Alien meets you yeah. know the meets guy Alien Two uh, meets uh, what was the Space one where Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> had the guys living inside the guy. Oh, um, uh, uh, erase not total, erase, uh, total, total recall. recall. Total recall. Like, there's a lot of shit going on. It just kind of just doesn't. <laughs> it just messes with you. But my point is that um, after a show, I had a woman come up to me and she was so upset that she was like, "I can't believe that you would speak that way of your wife." 
and it's disrespectful for men to even discuss what happens in childbirth. Like real, real conservative beliefs of like there are certain topics that should never be touched. And I was like, why are you at a comedy club, lady? What are you doing out of your house? Dude, I got to be honest with you, it threw me. I thought of all the things. I can understand you want to talk about religion. I can understand you don't want me to talk about race or whatever. I can understand those perspectives. But to say that the topic of childbirth is also something that one should not discuss on stage, I was like, so what you're saying is I'm not allowed to discuss my life. And the things that I experience in my life. How did the set go? Huh? How did the set go? It was fine, but she happened to be sitting in the front row and I noticed her. You know what comics talk about? Yeah, Sometimes angry, you notice the one person that's angry, the angriest. Pissed face. You miss the laughter because you focus on the one person that's just so infuriated And then with for what you're some doing. reason you try to get them to laugh the hardest and you're like, why am I working on this one idiot when everyone else is having a good time? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty obvious that, you know, she was also scarred by it. It's the only thing I can think of and yeah. that doesn't, you know what I mean? So there's got to be a perspective there. Yeah. Maybe she's just mad that I wrecked milkshakes for her. But people are always, but people want to get offended by everything. Yeah. I mean, childbirth? Come on, what do you get, you get mad at childbirth? <laughs> and first, like, if you if you're easily offended, like, uh, to each his own. You know, I can't tell you how to live your life, but maybe don't go to a comedy show no. if things offend you. Well, but the thing is, is it's all like I every once in a while I, I forget it, uh, I, that I have some comedy that's online that I probably wish was never there. But you know, when you're young, you yeah, sign off on things. Put and, it on, yeah, I'm and you be think famous. you're amazing. I don't care. I, it is what it is. But every once in a while, I will stumble upon an old comedy video of mine, and they're horrible. I'll be the first to tell you. I'm standing mm. in line with you to let you know that. Yeah, it should yeah. never I'm writing have myself yeah. YouTube comments about how bad this is. But there was one, because I obviously spent a lot, and this one wasn't bad. It was just, I spent a lot of time talking about my kids and raising my kids and not doing a good job with it. And I, and I remember somebody commented going, this guy is a horrible parent, and somebody should take his children away from him. That was the comment. And then someone right below was like, or it's just comedy, buddy, and you should just calm the fuck down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, do you seriously but, think that this guy's telling all the truth in yeah. this stuff? And it's just like, did we watch two different videos there, you knucklehead? It was yeah. just funny to watch other people have an argument about me. I'm a stranger. Yeah. Those are strangers and having like, their sidebar. This guy put this up. He's holding a microphone. He's talking to an audience. This isn't like he's <laughs> in a confessional. Laughing. Like, guys, okay, here's what I did this week. It's like, dude, I'm a bad parent. Ha ha, getting laughs. Like, take his kids, take his away. kids away. Why? Because he's telling jokes in order to support his family. <laughs> take his kids away as soon as he says, I want to be a comedian. <laughs> All of it, I don't care. I've, I've been, I, I think that in all my time of being somewhere loosely affiliated with entertainment, I actually have embraced so much. I get more laughter and enjoyment out of so much of the weird comments and negativity and the things that have said to me. And just I appreciate all the positive stuff, don't get me wrong, lie. but it's not as funny to me as like the backlash one can receive. It's just kind of funny. And, and I I was going to say, and even like the live weirdness that happens. Like, yeah. I mean, it was just funny being at the downtown comedy club when I went, I'm going to go do a joke about... Tupac and hip hop music and yeah. I, I guarantee you it won't work and then it didn't work and I was like <laughs> I told you it wasn't gonna work like I don't know it was well you fun. and I both I made fun of the hipsters who were also in the audience and, and you, so I, I think both of us were, were trying out stuff against our better judgment yeah. know, actually no you, it, it, perfect they both neither of it the joke neither of the jokes failed it's right. just they didn't I, mine is crush. so so new and so uh, un, under underdeveloped right now that I got I got. But that's how you. Up. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah. I've been doing it. I did, I did it like last night a couple of times. I'm trying. I'm trying to beef it up and make it more relatable and funny. Well, as I've said, and I, it's one of my favorite life lessons and stories. The, the late great Gary Shandling. That's where I learned it. Watching him night after night. Yeah. 
bring raw material on stage, be willing to take the hit because there's no way to find out whether it's good or not. You could sit in front of a computer for days on end by yourself and think, this you is, got it, yeah. this is it, I got it. And I there's try, no other way to find out. I try that sometimes. I try the Carlin approach where I like will type out my set, you know what I mean? And then I get halfway through and I'm like, but I already know how I say these jokes. I need to work on these. But like, I already have certain ways that I say certain jokes that are in my set right now. I need to work on the newer jokes that I'm crafting into this hour. But that worked for Carlin and that's fine. Yeah, yeah. That works for him and it may work for other certain people, but it depends on who, who you see yourself similar to stylistically. That's what's going to work for you is how, you know, and, and maybe nothing does. Maybe you'll discover your own way of doing. I'm carrot top. Yeah. I don't know what that means, but okay. That's what I see myself as, uh, stylistically. Okay. Carrot you top. have a long way to go uh, to get there. <laughs> first of all, John. start using props. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, my yeah, first yeah. advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, took a, I took a picture steroids. of myself with a, a carrot coming out of my mouth like a tooth, and I put carrot tooth. Oh. And uh, I actually got uh, a lot of likes, oh. unfortunately. That's interesting. I get a lot of likes, and people are confused that uh, about what I'm actually saying. I think a lot of times when I make a joke, people think I'm speaking of tragedy, and I'm actually making a joke. I've noticed that's a weird um, dynamic. People... Come out of the woodwork on Facebook to support tragedy. Mm. Is it? You, have you noticed that dynamic? I also think it's a, the way Facebook programs there. Yeah, it's just. Well, no, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you could you could do a lot of like positive, funny things just in general, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. But to get people to take that next step, which is the click the like, a little bit of tragedy in there. Out of yeah. the woodwork, yeah, because it, really it makes them feel better. They're like, I'm liking. Do you this. think that's what it is? Do you think that's I the do. dynamic? It makes you feel like. I do. I mean, it makes me feel better that you're like, yeah, yeah I think so. Huh. But speaking of tragedy, um, <laughs> no, I want to talk really quick about uh, Jose Fernandez with the Marlins. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, 24 years old. Like his wife has just got pregnant with their kid. Um, dies in a boating accident. This is a guy who, who uh, tried to deflect from. Uh, defect. Def- what did I say? Deflect. Deflect. Yeah. He tried to defect from Cuba three different times. Got did prison time when he was like fifteen for trying. Gets shot at. Gets on a boat finally when he's like eighteen years old or whatever with his mom. His mom falls overboard. She he dives in, saves her right, and then gets to the United States. Gets into the major leagues. Plays like becomes one of the like you know he's premier, it was a premier pitcher in the would league, have been yeah. multiple I mean ideally we don't know Tommy John anything can happen to a yeah, pitcher sure sure but like the the future was looking like multiple Cy Youngs and and probably and even if not everybody loved him I didn't realize how revered he was oh my team. god and just and when you look at the clips of this kid like there's at one point uh, I can't remember who the batter was but this guy just wailed one right back at him and it was so fast and this Jose Fernandez caught it. But the hitter was like, wait a minute, what? And he stops. He goes, did you catch that? And he goes, yeah, man, I did. <laughs> it was like, and it, it was like from the, from the mound of the plate. Like just, and the dude was like, wow, like, and just walked off. you know. And then David Ortiz struck out on him once. Or he struck Ortiz out. And Ortiz was like talking to him. But they were both huge smiles. You know what I mean? It was like one of those. The kid was like, everybody really liked him. And it was, it was really sad to see him. It's just to see something like that happen in the middle of a like At all, at all, really. But then what happened last night, the Mets-Marlins. The Marlins had the day off. They canceled the game against the Braves. Neither team have – there's no playoff implications for the Marlins or the Braves. Right. So it doesn't really matter. Um, the, but then the Marlins had to play the Mets, and there are playoff implications for the Mets. The Mets are trying to get into the wild card, and they are shaky at best, you know? Mm-hmm. So they need, they need wins. So they, they're going against the Marlins, who are not very good right now and now have lost a, a major pitcher who was supposed to start. That right. was – 
He was supposed to start the day he went out on the boat, but they, for some reason, pushed him to a sixth day. And that's never been explained or why. But So he was supposed to start today or yesterday. <clears throat> so uh, D. Gordon, uh, the... the Former Los Angeles Dodger, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. The Mets are up uh, first because they're playing in Miami. Um, and then uh, they don't do anything. And then Bartolo Colon is pitching for the Mets. D. Gordon comes to the plate wearing Jose Fernandez's helmet and batting right-handed. D. Gordon's a lefty. So he comes up to the plate, you know, wrong stance and everything, and just wears the helmet and takes one pitch. It's a ball. Changes helmets to his regular helmet and hits the other side of the plate. Goes back to the left side of the plate. Yeah, on the next pitch from Cologne, he hits a home run. He hasn't hit a home run all year. He hits a home run, D. Gordon. And, like, by the time he gets to second base, he's, you know, weeping and he can barely control himself. And he finally gets all the way around. But to me, the Mets, who uh, have playoff implications, like, things are looking bad for them. They need to really kick ass. And... They Bartolo Colon took the time. He he stepped off the mound and let Gordon come all the way around the bases and then go through the dugout and like the congratulations and all the crying and the hugging and everything. He let it all play out and yeah. let it go and let it go and let it go. And then when the batter was like came out to he was like okay now and there was no like the Mets were real classy about the whole thing. I don't necessarily I'm not a Mets fan by any means, but like. No, they people just understood the human element. Of yeah, it. it's like there was you, just, they're not machines; they're people. To me, though, that's this more. It's a, it's also like just baseball players are all one. It's a giant family, and they're all divided up into these sub kind of clans mm. that, like, you know, you're on this team, you're on this team, but they also move around so much, and they also play with each other on different winter ball and whatever. So, like, they all kind of know each other, and it's you could tell that it affected everybody, and it wasn't just like a, a Miami thing, you know. And then they threw their hats on the mound. It was just really. It was a very. I was literally watching that and the Cubs game. The Cubs won their hundredth game. One hundredth game, which yeah. is huge. They haven't done that since nineteen thirty-five, and uh, that was nice. You know, it was against the Cardinals that just made it, or no, it was against the Pirates division. So that was good. But, um, but the Marlins thing really was, man. That's just, uh, it's just sad. And watching Mattingly handle that. I mean, he's handling it well, but you can tell. I mean, he's just. This just got to him. You can't. That's not. Well, they're kids. I mean, if you think about yeah, it, yeah, dude, he's a kid. He's a kid. Twenty-four years yeah. old. That's when I moved to Los Angeles when I was twenty-four. That's crazy. It's yeah. It, it's different. I mean, it, um, and obviously Arnold Palmer, um, Arnold man Palmer of our passed youth away. Passed. Yeah, one of the most. I mean, obviously the most revered. Did more for the game of golf than anybody. There's a drink name after him. There's that a, the kids can drink. There's a drink. A non. That's what somebody said. He goes, well, "You can have a non-alcoholic drink named after you, and it sticks." And it's the only one, at least, as far done, as I know. Yeah, correct. Nobody's having a Kobe Bryant, and it's no. like cranberry juice and apple juice. It's like, but if I'm if I'm correct, there is no other drink. No. Non-alcoholic, that is is named oh, off of anybody. Somebody correct? said not since Kathy Root beer. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that's a real thing, sure. I mean, look, there's always been like, you know, uh, Reggie Jackson had a candy bar. Like, I, people oh, have sure. had, I think, uh, Bo Jackson had a, a candy bar. Like, there's been. What, Bo um, Jackson had a candy he bar? He did. I, oh. I can't remember what his was called, but yeah. If you the 30 for tree 30. Tree trunk thighs. That's right. There was a 30 for 30 that had that talked about that. But I mean, over the years, other people, and if you go to like, Comedy clubs, they'll name stuff after comedians well, stuff that, like that. But that's, the wacky, but that's yeah, it's the Yakov Smirnov burger. Right, it's but got that's Russian not across dressing. the board. It's not right. across the board, and no. it's not everywhere. So, um, I know a lot of people. It's not the same because he was kind of out of the limelight for many, many years. But for a whole generation, that guy was one yeah. of the most famous people. And considering 
It's golf. It's yeah. Which is uh, not the most popular American sport. By not even any not means. even close. Not even the top but he, five. But he, I think one of the reasons why it wasn't the golf thing as much as he was just a super nice guy, and he just the camera loved him, right? Well, he was a um, handsome dude when he was like for sure. You know what I mean? But I mean, by the time I kind of saw him, he was, he was in his later years and stuff like that, and he was more of a character, right? Like a person you're like, yeah, this is. This is your grandpa. He's a good old fun, yeah. fun loving grandpa. Everyone oh, loves your grandpa, by the way. Like America loves your grandpa. And my whole thing is, I remember when the OJ thing went down because if you remember, he and OJ were the they did the Hertz rental car commercials together. I think it was Hertz that they did together. Oh yeah, for years. And I always thought, man, what's Arnie going to say about all this? Because it was like two different worlds there. You know, the funny thing, I don't, he, I don't think he ever <clears throat> said a word about it. I don't ever remember Arnold Palmer saying because they were they were seen. That was like a thing. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he cut ties. Abbott and Costello. But as far as like commercials go, they were kind of an Abbott and Costello commercials. But but you know why? Like, did you see, did you watch that OJ stuff? There was a documentary. I saw the documentary, but they don't really get into the Arnold Palmer part of it. No, no, they don't. But those Hertz Rent-A-Car commercials, every time OJ is running, they have to like cut to a white person going, Go, Juice, go. Right. He's like, because someone's like, yeah, then OJ be running through the airport. And everyone was like, um, you want a black guy to run through the airport? What do you want that for? And like, people were like really afraid of that commercial. So they're like, well, put in some fat white people to make, here's a guy with a mustache. Here's a white lady. And it was all the whitest people like, go, Juice, go. You know what I mean? It was really weird. But you're right. Arnold Palmer was part of that. And I think, but Gary Player, like I read a, whatever he was saying on ESPN, but he, like am- ambassador to golf, but like also ambassador of America. Like everybody in the world knew who Arnold Palmer was. That guy could go anywhere, and people were like, oh yeah, he's a, this guy's a great golfer. You know what I mean? And and he had that like just kind of all all around good guy personality. You know what I mean? And granted, he played before social media. We don't know if he was pulling a Tiger Woods. We don't know, and it doesn't exactly. matter. And there's none it of doesn't, our, it, it doesn't matter anymore. There's no sense of trying our, to go and, back and try. And to... And it's none of our business anyway. No. Even if it did happen, who cares? But like he, the, the the point of the matter is, he was a fan one of the world's greatest golfers and and loved by just about everybody. I've never I haven't heard anyone like it's not like when Nixon died and Hunter Thompson wrote a whole Rolling Stone article about what a piece of shit he was. It was like <laughs> this is like no one's saying anything bad about him. You know what I mean? It's like he's just one of those guys that people love. It's, yeah. it's, and 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 you know it's it's sad but 87 years old um, you know the life he lived that you that's like nine lives in one. You know yeah. what I mean? You can't say that he didn't make the most of it or he didn't do everything he needed to do. Right. You know, yeah. it's it to me. It's 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 definitely obviously more tragic with a Jose Fernandez because just so young and you have no idea what the potential was there. Right. You know what I mean? But right. but yeah, it was a bummer. The Arnold Palmer thing happening on the same day. I felt like it was a little bit, um, not quite Farrah Fawcett, Michael Jackson, but like, you know, everything's kind of not over. It did, I guess it didn't really overshadow. But Farrah Fawcett died the same day Michael Jackson yeah. did hours before, and I was like, oh my god, Farrah Fawcett's dead. And then like ten minutes later, like who? Michael Jackson is dead. Like yeah, I, every, it was like. That was crazy, but so we'll finish with the Cubs. Uh, uh, so a hundred wins is, is pretty amazing, um, and I know for a lot of people they don't watch baseball. But let's be honest, even if you've never followed baseball your entire life, there's you a know, single person you, you know that knows who the Cubs are, and you, you know, know it's that, been a long time, exactly. And they, you they know that you're dead inside if you're not rooting for it's, them. Well, it's been in movies, it's been in yeah. television shows, it's yeah. it's it's ingrained in our it's culture. The basis actually. of a lot of jokes. <laughs> I don't know if the Cubs took as much. Heat as um, Boston Red Sox um, fans and players did, and, and the organization did. As far as the negativity, it seems like overall there still isn't a Cubs fatigue, and maybe maybe there will. Maybe that day will come, but that day usually comes once they win a World Series. So the all will be right in the world when it finally gets taken care of, and then you don't have to worry about it. I've always said 
um, having spent a portion of my life growing up in Illinois, I, I always felt bad for the White Sox. It doesn't matter how good they do. It doesn't matter they how many championships. They won a World Series in 2005. It doesn't, doesn't like, matter. What? Who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Unfortunately, the White Sox are not the Cubs, and it's a Cubs town. Just it's, like this is a Lakers city. Just like, you know... In Wisconsin, it's all about the Packers. I mean, yeah. just some places, it is what it is. You yeah, know? And, and look, the, the White Sox definitely have a loyal fan base, and they have some hardcore fans, and they have had some amazing seasons, yeah. and they are and a had some solid amazing players. ball club, amazing players, and and you know, a wacky announcer with Steve Stone. They got what the Cubs had, you know, going on. They just need to rebuild, and they'll be they'll they'll be good again. And I do I do think the city will rally behind the White Sox. I just think it's more it's a smaller rally. You know what I mean? It's just a smaller rally. Yeah. So I mean, the fact that the Cubs won a hundred is pretty sweet, but it means nothing in the big picture. You and I talked about this before. It, it, it's in professional sports. Um, use you can use hockey. You can use um, basketball now. You can use any any analogy. It's not about how many games you win in the regular season. That does not guarantee that you are going to win the championship. Ask ask a Golden State Warriors last year. Ask most football teams that go fourteen and two or greater. Remember the Mariners? Those, yeah. They won like one hundred and nineteen games or whatever yeah. that was, and then they blow, blown out right. Yeah. In the does first. it matter? It we, does. So it's cool and it's great, but it's, it's cool. such a temporary cool. But after the second last game is on the second, then they sit yeah. and they sit until the day before my wedding, and then they play the day before my wedding, and then they play the day of my wedding in the first two National League. Uh, but Again, here's the only thing I will say. You brought that up the other day, and I was thinking about this. This is the only thing. The most important thing to you is hearing those words, the Cubs are going to the World Series. You've heard the Cubs win the National oh, no, Division no, no. Series oh, before. And don't, You've heard uh, yeah, I'm play. Not, I'm you know not I mean? worrying. I'm but you not know what I'm saying. It. Yeah. It's like that, that's, that's the thing when it comes to being a, a, a sports fan. And I know a lot of people make fun of sports fans, and fair enough, a lot of the things you make fun of us for yeah, are I totally it. legit. It's a sport. I'm a grown man who's crying over a group of men I don't know, <laughs> winning games that I have nothing to do with. I like people, hey, congratulations on the Cubs clinching. I always write back, yeah, I had a lot to do with it. Like, <laughs> I've watched every game from my couch. I think I'm the one that's helped the most. And I'll never understand the dynamic of what happens to a human being when they, they, they become so ingrained in the culture of sports. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it was about me that drove me to become Dude. such a lover of sports. I don't know. And, uh, and, and, and have an emotional It, it is weird because I'll say this, especially it. about baseball, I played as a kid. But my dad wasn't like, and my dad played catch with me. It wasn't like he was like shunned the sport entirely. And I watched him put on a White Sox hat one time when he rooted for them playing the Orioles in the, uh, in the uh, playoffs in like 83. But th- there was no, he didn't push it. He didn't care. He wasn't like taking me to a bunch of games. Like my mom took me to a bunch of Cubs games. You know what I mean? So it was like, but then, uh, then in college, I didn't watch baseball for four years. And my dad didn't care. He was, he was a football guy. He watched the Bears play and suck, right. by the way. Um, and then... I don't know, man. I just started, I got out of college and I was like, started to slowly watch games again. And then I started to become interested. And then I started to really care about the baseball mentality, the culture of this sport and the, and the history of it. And just, I started, I watched that documentary about with Ken, that Ken Burns thing, Mm -hmm. 10 DVDs. It was like amazing. And you learn all about the sport and it, all the, the black marks on the sport, like everything bad that's happened and how they've overcome that. And it's just a really great game that I am now obsessed with. Like, could watch any two teams play baseball. Any two teams play baseball. There's not a lot of sports I can do that with. I can I can do it with hockey, but I'm not as interested. But I can watch a baseball game and pick a team and be like, okay, let's watch. Hockey can be fun to watch. I'm, I was always surprised that hockey did not become more popular than it is because of the, the speed, the pace, oh the my excitement God. of it's it. It's the, a great live sport to go the watch. Best. If you're looking for action, it's the best live sport. And if so you're looking I'm, for a nice, relaxing day, baseball. It never. That's why I never understood why it didn't... It didn't um, reclaim what it once yeah. had as far as being a spectator sport. But you know what? It's fine. They make enough money. It's not like these guys 
Right. I mean, everybody kind of, it's not arena football. So right. They're not tough. working as bricklayers in the off season. Yeah. yeah. And, if, and if you are, by the way, good for good, you. Good Thank for you for you. doing it because I know I could never do that. Yeah. Do we want, can we want, do we want to get into just a couple of viewer, uh, viewer, yeah. <laughs> listener? I want to address. If they're viewing, so that means they're watching us through <laughs> windows right now. <laughs> I want to address. And the, they have a few questions <laughs> through the window. I want to address the viewers of the show. Why are you staring at us? <laughs> First question. How'd you get on my property? Well, we had such a good time answering uh, Christy's questions last time. I hit her up to see if she had any more questions. All, her only question was, how do some actors who are so bad keep working? And then she hinted at a couple actors that she doesn't like. But I think that's all subjective. And you can't, it's like, there are movies that some people do that are good. Like, Michael Caine said it best. You do some movies because it's like, you know, uh, a great script and it's amazing and it's moving and the characters are worth acting and it's going to be fun and... Then you do Jaws four because you need a new addition under your house. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's no accounting for tastes in movies, but or why actors choose what and why actors keep working. I think personality. You know, who's nice to be around. I, th- as I say, I think we talked about that a little. We covered that a little bit last time. There, I think there's two reasons why. One is um, familiar faces. The industry has always bought into familiar faces, and you know that. That works you for go commercials. To, works for commercials. Say, you know that when oh, you go to I've auditions and guy. who you end up seeing, who you end up sitting with, and knowing there's a great chance as soon as you see a certain person walk through the door, even though they've been overexposed for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. you immediately you take yourself down a notch because you go, uh-huh. okay, they're probably going to go with the familiar face here. That, that there's a, there's a greater chance of them going with the familiar face regardless. It's just how the business works. Mm-hmm. They like familiarity. I learned that a long time ago before I ever got in this business. I remember um, some friends of mine wanted to go see Days of Thunder and I was like, oh, why? Yeah. But, yeah, but, the thing, but my whole thing was just like, there's more than just Tom Cruise out there. That, and it wasn't, it wasn't anti-Tom Cruise. No, but that was at a time when he was but being at that shoved time it was, down Everything was Tom yeah. Cruise. Everything yeah. was Tom Cruise. So um, I realized right there that they were like, yeah, and that's what we want. And I was like, "Oh, okay, uh-huh. I get it now." Like that, that they want, they just want anything Tom Cruise. They just want that familiarity. And then you're like, "Oh, okay, America." But the second thing is, you have to. The way a lot of people work in this town is because they're just easy to work with, and they're and you're spending ten, twelve, sometimes fourteen hours a day, which is, should be illegal, but you're spending that kind of right. time with other people. with other people. You want to get along, and if they don't like you, you, you eventually. You're eventually not going to work anymore. Yeah. So probably I mean, the people that she's naming off that we're keeping off the air are probably people that are easy to work with in the business. And if they are not, they're just famous enough that there's enough people money. desperate enough to they'll, get they'll them. bring money. Gets, to the- it gets eyes on their project. That's literally it. Yeah, I agree. And then we want. I want to address uh, my. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, listener Nancy Huck from uh, Warrenville, Illinois, <laughs> had some questions. Uh, Can I make an apology in advance, uh, John's mom? Hi, it's Brent. Um, if I don't make it to John's wedding, I want to know I had nothing to do with you. I, I, everything I've heard about you, you're an amazing person. We can't wait to have you on the show. I told, so. I told my mom, I told Brian that my mom wanted to meet him at my wedding, and I think Brian got scared. I did. So now he's not coming. No, that's, yeah. Could you, it'd be funny if you, years later I told you that's why I didn't that's go, why. it's because of your mom. Uh, I asked my mom if she had any, que- or Nancy, if she had any questions. Uh, I guess everyone knows it's my mom now. Um, if she had any questions... Is it your mom? She, yeah, that she wanted us to talk about on the show. I just gave you an out to just say no. And she came one. back with... Uh, she goes, what is the advantage of belonging to Screen Actors Guild? So much of Hollywood is now independent. What determines a commercial or movie sag? With residual commercials... With residuals and commercials, how, who and how is the residual, is the residual figured out before the check is cut? 
Okay, uh, that is a super heavy, like real detailed thing. That's a that's a mom that wants to know how her son is spending his money. Because <laughs> I'm not quite sure why that's Screen Actors Guild. Just you buy High Life and then you drink it, and then <laughs> uh, the advantage of being the Screen Actors Guild is just that the, a union will take care of you better. A union will make sure that you're not overworked, that you're getting proper money for your face and recognition, and they'll they'll really. Make sure that the set is safe for you. There's, there's a there's lot insurance affiliated Insu- with it too. Insurance, I mean, there yes, there that... is a ton. Like there, the, the, it's all advantage. Here's what John's not explaining to you, John's mom, um, Nancy. Here's what John is not explaining to you. Also, the big advantage is John is an independent contractor, and all all um, actors are independent contractors. So to be able to have a place that's actually keep looking out for you and it gives you a place where that way right. if you work enough, you can actually have good health insurance and be taken care of. I mean, I know the United States government's doing a better job at doing that stuff, but for many, many decades, that didn't, that was not the case. So there's great things like that where they're there and they also do renegotiate contracts on the behalf of all of people, both famous and non-famous. Yeah. And make sure that they're getting a fair rate, they're getting a decent wage and that they are being taken care of on set. So that's, those are those, that's sure. the, those are the Definitely. big benefits. And that makes you feel guys. good when you're on a, when you're on a SAG project and the guy comes back with him, the representative just want to make sure everything's all right. And you're like, Oh, you do send someone out and, yeah. and that guy is cool. Or she is cool, and uh, yeah, and then there, this about uh, how so much of Hollywood is now independent. What determines a commercial or movie SAG? When when we say when independent is used, when the word independent, that just means there's no studio attached. Correct. That means that it was just independently made. You can still make indie movies with SAG budgets, and and they also have a thing called uh, you know ultra low budget SAG. ULB. ULB. Yeah, they have a there's different tiers. Like if you're making a movie for three thousand dollars and you want it to be SAG, you're going to be ULB. You know yeah, what I mean? you probably won't even pay a dime into it. At that point, you're not even asking because I don't that three thousand dollar movie. I don't even know how. Well, I, I don't I mean, know that, what that would look like, but I'm just saying. You know what I mean? I'm just saying if the lo- lowest possible budget, you know, you're making something, you know, you'd be ultra low budget so that you could afford to make your movie and still be part of the SAG. But there was a time when I first moved out here um, after I left radio. After I moved out here. <laughs> After I left radio, <laughs> I'm leaving radio for Hollywood. You know, I've just been waiting for you like to travel mug me. Fucking Bob, I, you didn't Hope. travel mug me. No, I I, to, was a, that was a travel. I was waiting for you to travel, dude. Mug. People already they can sense my travel mug, bro. No, I don't need to talk it. about it. So yesterday I was at Marshalls and uh, I was checking out, and they had a bunch of travel. They literally it said travel mugs on clearance, and I was like, Tra- travel mug. I, I have, I, the only other person that's ever used travel mug is John. So it's well, I, I was a widely I, used I got term. A, no, not really. And I got really excited when I saw that. And I was like, oh, a relatable moment here. And then a memory. everyone around you said, hey, dude, you're starting to pin no, out. No, this was all inside. Deal. Oh, okay. But yeah, I mean, when I first went out here, the, the, um, there, there was a parallel between independent films and, and, um, and what that meant in respects to, to a union show. Uh, there was a cutoff. I think back then the cutoff was like $5 million. If you were under $5 million, you were most likely not only just independent from studios, but you were also independent from unions. And you could do that. But as the years went by, that bar got lowered and lowered. And a lot of that was because the work was leaving because the city was getting more expensive to film in. So then what happened, that's where you were talking about the tier system. So what they were trying to do, and and, and this is where when people get really anti-union, they understand that um, a lot of unions will do whatever it takes to try to write a system and, and make sure that it stays uh, functional for people. And that's what you kind of saw with all the unions here in Los Angeles related to the film business. They've, they fought for all the things they've always believed are most important, but they're willing to, to give a little bit on other things that actually reboosted 
the economy here and there's way more independent films being made here because the studios just don't make a lot of movies anymore. They make, yeah. they make superhero movies and they make Star Wars movies. Yeah. That, that's it. I mean, they're really... Look, and there is money to be made in independent films. There, I mean, you yes, can do it. because the lower, you know, the, the return, it's all, it's a, it's a investment yeah. on return, a return on investment. So it's it, it's like anything. I mean, there are no guaranteed return on investments, but obviously there's lower risks when you aren't spending as much money right? and with a distribution. And I know that was a, a double down of boringness for you, but... Um, yeah, uh, and also technology just allows so much more independent filmmaking. As yeah, well. that's what we, I was talking with uh, somebody the other day actually, uh, just about how different it was. Oh, Skylar Stone—that's who I was talking to. Had a really long conversation with that dude yesterday, and and when when I first met him, he was one of those guys that shot stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. He was like, I was like, I'm doing a sketch. I got this idea. We're shooting this. We're shooting that. Always on the go. Always shooting. But this was before we. You couldn't upload. He made DVDs of everything, yeah. and then would give them to people, like try to get his name out there. Like it was so much different and i'll say harder for like a for for if skylar were to all of a sudden come onto the scene now like right now and and have everything at his fingertips that he didn't have before he would go nuts you know what i mean he'd be like a kid in a candy store i mean he still has that he has the option to use those things now but i'm saying like he put out a lot of content yeah before putting out content was something that people even did right you know what i mean so i was like now it's a buzzword now it's a it's a buzzword and it's like People like how much you know how many Twitter follows you have like yeah but he only has five minutes of comedy it's like it doesn't matter what the fuck who cares about his Twitter followers it's, it's so weird how things work now uh, and just the difference of when we first started and what we were doing and how we went about it and I mean I remember put, put stapling headshots to resumes and putting them in envelopes and sending them to casting directors like we don't do that anymore that's no. not a thing my God can you imagine if I sent a hard copy headshot to somebody they'd be like hey what do you hate trees get out of here what's wrong with you. <laughs> Um, and then the, I wanted to address the uh, residuals. John, John's oh, doing. I have no idea. How, it's it's a bar in the valley, and that's where everybody spends all. Yeah, their, residuals their, is their, a bar their, in the their valley. Twelve dollar checks they got off of residuals. You could any residual check you bring in. You used to be able to bring it in, and they would give you a free beer just for the check, and they could put the check up on the wall. Right. But I could have made a killing in there because I used to get fourteen cent checks and zero cent checks, and like no, no, you could have killed yourself. In I could have. Yeah, I could have yourself to death. Pickled my liver. Yeah. With residual I checks. Think that's what you meant to say. Uh, so when I told my mom those were really intense questions, I was like, Jesus. That's pretty in-depth. We'll see what we can do. She was like, okay, I have another question. How often do you poop at time? <laughs> Are you regular? Yeah. <laughs> this is her... This is, this is her uh, other question. Have you and Brian ever performed at the same venue on the same night? Is Brian a storyteller or more of a one-liner kind of comic? I'll let you answer that question. I don't think I should be... Uh, yeah, you, I guess you don't want to talk about yourself. Uh, me and Brian have actually I never do. That's what's held me back. <laughs> me and Brian have actually performed on the same venue the quite, same night. Quite a bit. <laughs> quite a few times. Just did it the other night. Uh, that's how it works too. If like, you know, if a comic has a show and like the improv's letting them book it or book some, you're gonna book your friends. You're gonna be pe- book people that make you laugh that the audience that you think the audience that's coming to see you is gonna enjoy. So whenever I get at the improv or whatever, I'll book. I'll try to get Brian and Eddie Pence on the show for sure, uh, and then vice versa. Those guys would do the same for me. I hope. Um, uh, and Brian is more of a storyteller, but there. The, I think it's a con- it's, it can be a combination. There you have you have quick jokes. I think you're a little bit like me. There's quick jokes, and then there's stuff that like you expand on because it's just a little more involved. You know what I mean? But I think the whole time people are listening and paying attention. And I noticed the other night when we were at uh, the the Garrett Morris place that um, I didn't realize how similar you are you and I are in style, and um, and we are we are we are storytellers with jokes in them. That's yeah. what, that's what we do. I didn't realize. I, I guess it was just one of those things where I, fall, I don't know why it all of a sudden. It's not like I haven't seen you perform before, but then it also it all of a sudden sank in. And maybe it's because more and more with you. 
as um, you continue to grow and your life continues to change, I've noticed it shifted your comedy. Oh, oh, where that's... you are becoming more, you are you are starting to dig deeper into your personal life and sharing more of that. And I think when I first met you, you did some of that, but you also but it was based you skewed in... you skewed a lot of like bizarreness that weren't was not based in reality. And I've, what I've noticed is more and more you are digging into your life and really, really finding the meat of your, of, of your um, storytelling from real life. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Interesting point. I, you're right. When I, when I started, when we first started doing comedy together and you first would, we would see each other or whatever, I was doing a lot of jokes about getting hammered and, and passing out and whatever. And, and you're right, putting a weird skew on it or something crazy happened that might not have been based in reality. And I remember I showcased a couple of times and uh, Eric Abrams was like, hey, don't do that joke about Maxim Magazine. I'm tired of it and I don't like it because... And then he literally told me because he goes, I know it's not real. Everything else in your act, I can see happening to you. This is the only thing I can tell you made up. And I'm like, oh, interesting. I still do it. I mean, I don't still do it, but I still did it around that time. But I didn't do it for that showcase. And I was like, that's interesting. And then like slowly, you're right. Things, Even the stuff that is not real, that didn't happen, it's based on one thing that happened or a thing that was said or in an area and then I expanded on it from there. Like there's a, a couple things in my act now that aren't necessarily truth, 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 but it's like this is how I'm going to get to my point is by telling you this story in between it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and I, and it has, and it's just, you know, as you change as a person, like you're, you've been a family man for a while. You've had kids for a while. You've been married for a while. So your comedy has been about that. And now that I'm on the verge of getting married and having, you know, that kind of life a little bit more, to, I guess, domesticated. But the thing is I've been a domesticated, like I'm an indoor cat. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't, I just want to, I just want to like curl up on stuff and like maybe sit by the light bulb and then watch TV. But every once in a while, you still pee on the floor. Every once in a while, I'll pee on the floor and I'll sneak out. <laughs> and I get outside. I'm like, oh my God, I don't have any claws. I got to get back inside. This is fucking crazy. But yeah, but now my, my comedy is starting to be more like you talk about what you know. The best comics talk about what they know. And I know my life better than I know anything else, really. So, and that's the other thing is self-awareness and being able to, to mock myself uh, the, the older I get and the more you know, kind of uh, living a, a normal life. You know what I mean? Because when I taught 24, I'd been like, fuck marriage. You know, and I would have been like, this is stupid. People are stupid. Like, I was just a lot angrier. 80% of all humans in this world um, uh, will have children. And uh, most people will probably shack up with somebody. Well, you know, it does. That's just the reality of it. I remember a buddy of mine who no longer lives out here, but when I met him, he was so anti relationships, was never going to get married, was never going to have kids. The guy's now married, lives in Iowa and has two children. It's just like, you know, yeah. life, life catches there's up. A, with there's you. that commercial. He's like, yeah, I'm, his, this dude and his buddy sitting by a pool. I'm never getting married. Yeah. Then he's married. He's like, I'm never having kids. I have kids. I'm never getting a minivan. But can I be honest with you? I think it's good to have that attitude because I think if you go right out of the box and say, this is, I want to get married right away and I want to have kids. And maybe it works for some people. That's a lot of pressure to put on the, the world around you. Yeah, another person. Yeah, because I think it changes how you interact with people. If you don't care, it allows, it opens up things and then when the right person rolls along. That's it. You, you don't care until you know. Yeah. And then you're like, okay. I have a, uh, a question in, uh, from a non-listener of the show. Um, <laughs> a non-listener? Yeah, meaning that they've never listened to our show at all, which is, why do you guys do podcasts? <laughs> and I'm not saying that sarcastically. They genuinely asked me that question. That's a fair question. Because I think that they don't really still understand what what's this podcast thing. And, 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 you know, it's a legitimate question. 
Like you and I, we're at about an hour forty some odd into this thing, and and we've got a really good loyal listener base that's okay with us just having a conversation. Right. But I think a lot of people still are just like, I don't get it. I don't. I'm still a traditional. I listen to the radio and then I move on with my life. I or I listen to music at home. I don't understand. Yeah. This and then podcasting there's and then there's some thing. people that have replaced music with all podcasts. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And there's like, I mean, when people are like, Oh, did you hear so and so's podcast? I'm like. How do you have time to listen to podcasts? Yeah. Like outside of recording this one, I don't have time to like, when I'm at a gym, I'm on a treadmill. I want music. I need to be pumped up. I can't be like, what's so-and-so saying? Like, I can't. It's hard for me to know like how I'm guessing a lot of people drive a lot and maybe they listen to a lot of these. I I don't know, but I think. I think it's commutes to work because that's a huge thing. That's when I listen to like, uh, or road trips, man. When I go, when I'm like driving up north for the wedding, we're going to be listening to that Star Talk radio podcast, the Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like, oh man, it's but so I th- good. I ultimately, I think what their question was, and not meaning to be offensive, it was that they're just like, I don't really know a lot of people listen to podcasts, so I don't understand what you, who's listening or, or why are people or, doing it. Or what's like, the point of doing it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, exactly. Why you? Why do you bother? I, I, well, for me personally, like I had that opinion. And by the way, you're not talking to them right now because they're still not they're listening. not listening. Just they're still <laughs> not involved. Like, sir, who doesn't know us or care about the show? Um, <laughs> When I before I ever did that, I did a podcast before this one, and before I ever did, it, I was like, "What are we gonna say that hasn't been said?" And the person I was doing with was like, "Just show up and talk, man." And then I started doing that, and I started really enjoying the conversations that we would have. I started enjoying the guests and just having like you know, looking forward to that time when like we could share opinions and and then share it with other people. It's like to me, like I've had friends say, like I love listening to your podcast because I can put it on clean my house and shit and it feels like I'm listening to you guys have a hilarious conversation and then I just you know I'm going about my day and it's I'm talking people that aren't necessarily near me in California that can listen like I got a friend Mike in in Illinois that is that listens a lot you know what I mean like I have friends that like check it out and they really I believe they enjoy it and I think not only do they is it because they know me but because of kind of the subject matter what we talk about where it's kind of interesting people are drawn to the entertainment industry, to Hollywood. Like we all watch movies and TV and you know, there's all kinds of aspects of this business that a lot of people don't know about. So when we touch on those, I think it 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 educates people in an entertaining way. It's edutainment or whatever you want to call Edu- it. Like, infotainment, infotainment, edutainment. Yeah. I like edutainment. That's not edutainment. a bad one. I, did I just make that up? All right, you heard it here first. But yeah, edutainment. Now we got Fowboy Hat. Fowboy Hat. But also at the same time, I don't, I'm not like thinking we're changing the world. I don't think we're reaching no. a million people. Like, would it be nice to to to, to grow listeners and and to get this out there? And yeah, but only because uh, it's fun. Do you know what I mean? Like, I have a good time doing it, and I and and it doesn't really. I mean, it cost me gas money to get over here. I guess if we were doing it at all things comedy, I could just walk down the street. So I know you bring it up all the time, <laughs> and you'd feel like you were in radio, being in the studio. Um. But no, I mean, I just don't want to sit side by side with you. It just bothers me. That's fair. We'll lock arms. I uh, no, but I I do it because I think it's fun, and and we do have a couple of loyal listeners that that uh, more than a couple. I I I put the show down a little. bit. I know how many loyal listeners we have because I follow these statistics on it. I will not say, but I do know. Okay, and I'm I'm impressed. If you want to know the answer to that question, oh, okay, good. But but you know that most people are passive. What you're talking about are there are people that. That want to engage, and we yeah. like the people that engage. Absolutely, and, and, we, and I and I, I'm going to say this every week: we want you to engage with us. So don't don't think that we're just saying it for the sake of saying it, and then and right. it's not a big deal. I I like the engagement. You know, I know you're out there. John knows you're out there, but if you know, we like the engagement part of it. Yeah, yeah, I do. 
Well, that's it. We got to wrap it up because we have to yeah. do another show. So. Oh, two shows in a day, guys. Two show, touche. Uh, <laughs> two pay. Two show, two pay. <laughs> Mike stand. Uh, <laughs> By the way, at first I thought he said I thought he was going to tell me his name was Open Mike, and I was like, no, no, Open Mike. Hi, my name is Open. My last name is Mike. Or if he was really bad, he's like, my name's Orin Mike. Like you know, Open Mike. Like no, that's Orin. Orin and, and his Mike. Orin Mike. No, you know what I mean? like, no, no, you're really bad at this fake nicknaming thing. All right, guys, that's our show. Thank that's you for show. listening. Uh, have a great uh, week and weekend. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 